coming up on episode 100 of Pixel Gaiden. We reached 100 episodes, are you freaking kidding me? We have quick questions. We have not-so-quick questions. Some letters from listeners. Of course, we grab the news. Eric hangs out with our patrons. Our most epic Pixel Gaiden song yet. A very small piece of errata. And the best of the best of Pixel Gaiden. Stay Ladies and gentlemen, that's right, episode 100, my name is Cody Hoffman. And I'm Eric Nelson. And we are two-thirds of Pixel Gaiden. That's of right. Of course, we are Still missing... Still here after 100 episodes. 100 episodes. Missing uh, our homeboy, Tim Drew, who will join us on a little later in the episode. But yep, Eric, we did it. 100 episodes. How do you feel about that? I feel great about it. It's a... Uh... It's funny to think that it's been, what is it, three years now? It's been more than three years. It's, um, Has it been? Yeah, I think our, it's nearing five. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Dude, that, that's pretty what? amazing. It's a great, I agree. That is a great body of work, and we've been through so many changes from big, giant episodes to two smaller episodes to two large episodes. <laughs> to two giant episodes, and now episode 100, which, by the way is so big and intense and new and fresh and exciting that it can't be contained in just one city. And therefore, episode 100, Eric, will be broken into episode 100A and episode 100, can you guess? B. Yes. Ooh, you have a, the big brain on. Look at the big brain on Eric. <laughs> It's uh, so, so big that it's split like osmosis, or not osmosis, but like when the molecule splits in, in symbiosis, two. or what, what Sim- is that? What is that? See, we, we're so we're we're biology <laughs> stupid. <laughs> oh buddy, oh buddy. Um, yeah, well, if you guys are here for retro video game talk and uh, retro inspired video game talk, then uh, well, for this particular episode, we're going to have you about half covered because we're going to go on a little bit of a tangent with some things. Uh, we've done 100 episodes up to this point now, which means we have to go ahead and um, stroke our own egos and talk about the show and, and the, the journey, the long, arduous re- journey we've been on to get here. We're going to reflect. That's what I like to say. Reflect. Reflect. Oh, we get to play our, some of our... Um, oh, so Eric's going to reflect. <laughs> Sitting in front of the pond, thinking back. That's right. All those memories. There are pixels. a lot of memories. Yeah, and we're going to cover a lot of those memories. Absolutely. Um, so, yes, if you're listening here, um, hopefully you've listened to 99 previous episodes. If not, they're back there. Go check them out. Um, episode 100 here, we're going to mix up things a little bit. Not too far off our beaten path, but we, have, uh, we want to try to make it special and mark the occasion and do some things. So... Um, on this particular half of the episode, which will, you know, let's be honest, we're just breaking up episode 100 in, 
and 101 into episode 100 A and B, we're really just stretching it out. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure after that next month, we'll have an episode 102. Uh, yeah. But I like to think of it as two parts of one whole. You know, that, that's what we're all about here. Um, we want to mark the occasion, do some special things. So go ahead and quick do a quick rundown on what we're going to talk about here or touch on on episode 100A. Uh, we are, of course, going to start, as we always do, with some quick questions, which get us right into the video game-related talk. And then we're going to have a listener letter from um, a special uh, supporter of ours, Pajako6502, Pajako who wrote us a nice little uh, memory of the podcast to read on the air. And uh, I wanted to make sure, and we'll, we'll mention it again, uh, we want to reach out to everybody who listens to the podcast, not just our patron followers or people on the Discord, but we'd love anybody out there listening. If you have something you wanted to share with us about the show, if you wanted to send a recording, if you wanted to send an email that uh, for us to read on the show, we're going to do listener letters again next episode. Uh, so please send those to podcast at pixelguiden.com. Um, as well as any questions you might have for us. Um, because we're going to have, just after that, not-so-quick questions, which is exactly the same as quick questions, but we're trying to gather a whole bunch of them so we can talk a lot. And they don't have to be video game-related. If you want to ask us about all kinds of uh, weird things you've never asked us, you know, my shirt size or uh, or certain <laughs> fetishes Eric has, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, we may or may not answer it. We may we may or may not just riddle cue you for your your question. Yeah. Um, also, everyone, we have a special Patreon song, as we like to do on the show, where we make a song to thank all of our patrons. Uh, but it's episode one hundred. I had to go big. I took the everyone's favorite patron song we've done in the past, Eric. Which do you know which one that was? Yeah, the one with all three of us, right? In yep. studio. We just kind of made it up on the spot. We had one uh, kind of overblown acoustic guitar and three of us just kind of screaming into microphones live to tape. And, you know, the raw power and energy, the masculine energy of it, I think is what people really connected with. Absolutely. Uh, That or else we just sounded like uh, complete weirdos and people enjoyed that as well. So (laughs) I have actually at this point, I'm not done with it yet. So I'm gonna have to insert it later, Eric, but I've got about halfway done. A completely redone version of that song, the way I think we were hearing it in our heads. Nice, like a remix. Just big, like arena rock, uh, yeah. with the full band behind it and the whole thing. Excellent. So, um, I'm looking yeah, forward to hearing that. Look forward to that. We will then hop into news as we usually do, but we're going to try to make it a little quicker this time because Eric has a very special patron, patron supporter questions and hangout session, right, Eric? Yes. That's right. I got to, got all the Patreon buddies together, anyone who wanted to join. And we had a, quite a turnout, had up to 12 people in there, I think. And uh, might have been f- a little bit fewer than that, but it, it went surprisingly well. In fact, it, it really uh, want, makes me want to do, do a lot more of them in the future. So we can look forward to more of them throughout the year, I think. Do you guys, by chance, get to partake in some beers during this oh, hangout session? Oh, yes, we did. Nice. Oh, yes, we did. Some of us had tea. Some of us had tea, but Heck the yeah. majority of us had beer. I love it. I love it. And then we're going to have Tim join us to round off this half of the episode with the best of the best. We're going to talk about not just our favorite games of the year like we have every year prior to this, but out of everything we've done, what are our favorites since we started this show and covered them on Pixel Gaiden. Uh, Real quick, I want to make sure everyone does know we are part of the Amigos uh, Retro Video Game Network, uh, which includes such great shows as Amigos Everything Amiga. Um... The Coco Show, 
the uh, help me out here, Eric. For some reason, I'm brain farting on these. Uh, Sinclair. That's, there's the Sinclair, Sinclair. show. Uh, there's Sprite Castle. Of course. There's ARG Presents. Nice. Where they spin the wheel and make the deal. That is a very entertaining show. I must. That admit. is a very entertaining show. I must yes. admit. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead and just quick give, give you guys a quick rundown what to look for next episode, episode 100B, which will come out on the 15th. We're going to do quick questions as well. We're going to have hopefully those listener letters that you guys send in at that point. Um, some not so quick questions. Again, we've, we've already got a bunch uh, saved up. Uh, Tim has what he wants to call a mega, mega, mega game show, game show, game show. I'm not sure what makes it mega, but we're going to find out. We are, of course, going to catch up as we usually do. And then, back by popular demand, <laughs> we're going to have a bracket-style tournament where the three of us argue our way to find out exactly which are the top 50 16-bit console or computer games of all time. Yep, of that's all the kind time. of segment. That's the kind of segment where we, uh, we lose 15 listeners, but we gain 30. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, well... We have time stamps with our show, so if you're if you're feeling a little fatigued after watch, listening to us argue over uh, the uh, the fine points of Donkey Kong Country and Donkey Kong Country Two, which makes the yeah. better game? Is it the original? Is it a a small uh, mini Donkey Kong wearing a, a baseball cap? I don't know. Um, I think I think we <clears> lost <throat> listeners because we because uh, people got so mad at us, but I loved it. We got all <laughs> we got all sorts of feedback. Are you crazy? That's what's beautiful about it. We get to sit here and give opinions and, and each other off. And oh, I'm not supposed to say that. Hold on. Timestamp uh, 9:40. <laughs> Apparently, those in the UK don't don't take kindly to that American term. All right, you have to remind me, Eric. All right, 9:40. Timestamp. Anyways, let's go ahead and hop right in to some quick questions. Quick questions. All right, Eric, do you want to take our first quick question for the day? Sure. So Adam from Commodore Chronicles asks, if you could take the best three features from three retro consoles, computers, and mash them into one super ultra mega console computer, what systems and features would you choose? Ah, I like what you're doing here. I like what you're doing here. Hmm. Yeah. It, You've already thought about it, this one, Eric? I, I have. I've thought about it, but I've I got to say, I'm not sure I have any really great answers. Um, because if you're looking at the whole spectrum of all systems, I mean, a lot of it's been covered all like, like, man, it's just, it, it, it's difficult to pin down. You know what I mean? Yeah, we had a few, a few people on the Discord get just super specific talking about, like, I want this processor, but I want it with this kind of uh, matrix combined with this architecture. And I'm just like, holy smokes, these guys are next yeah. level. Yeah. They're and they, getting and more they give us the... money to listen, you know? I don't know how yeah. that works out. <laughs> so they're, they're, like, um, they're getting really, like, into the technical part. I'm going to stick to, like, conceptually, like, the gameplay part of it. Yep, so, yep, yep. So, I, I don't know. Maybe we can brainstorm here. So, with the Dreamcast, I really love the VMU. I think that more could be done with that idea. Like, a memory That's card cool. that plays games but is an expanded one. One that you can pop out, plug into a PC, and save your backups or swap saves with other players. 
Um, yep, yep. I think that that would be a killer feature. Um, then, like with with that new JVC XI, I love that it has the the CD part plus the cartridge. Okay, okay. So I think I would have the best of both worlds. Like I'd want a DVD player in one side of it and like the, a cartridge port in the other side to p- either play older games or maybe modern cartridge games. Um, and then the third thing, I, I don't, I, w- I probably would be something to do with the controller because okay. I, I, I am very focused on the controller. Well, what's your favorite I, controller? Let's probably just go with that. Well, I'd want to pick a retro one. So I think I would probably pick... I mean, it's not my favorite controller of all time. That'd probably be the Xbox 360, but that's too new. I'm going to go with, like, maybe the Super Nintendo controller. All right. All right. I like it. Yeah, something like that. Well, hold on. Oh, hold oh, on. oh, oh. Hold on. We got to do a scratch. Yeah. Right. No, it's got to be a six-button controller because I love fighting games. I love love me my fighting games. So I'm going to go with the something like Sega Saturn, the six-button yep. Sega Saturn one. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Yeah. All right. So here's that, mine. That, that's fine. I'm, I'm going Go to hop into the 32-bit, 64-bit era where okay. things were changing. People were coming up with new technologies, new types of gameplay, and everything was kind of its own thing. Was Everything was very different at that time. Yeah. Um, step one, all the biggest games and uh, a, lot of the, a lot of things were happening on all these CD-based consoles, but there was one that stood out, Eric, for mm-hmm. one feature, which, in my opinion, is one of the best features at that point, even though it's even more retro than these consoles are, and that is the Nintendo 64 with its cartridge slot. I don't yes. want to have to wait for loading times, especially on these systems that are like 1X or 2X CD drives. Yeah. I want Nintendo 64's cartridge uh, system. Step one. Okay. And I want to plug it into, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, the Dreamcast hardware. Okay. I like yeah, yeah. The, the power of the Dreamcast. I don't like the loading times, but I like the power of the Dreamcast, and I like the fact that maybe I'm stealing more features than I need to, uh, but the fact that uh, it has just the Nintendo 64 and the Dreamcast have four ports on the front for four-player co-op action or couch that's co-op key. action. That's huge. That's good, that is huge. You're right. You're right. But the Dreamcast controller is a weak point. Um, I don't mind the controller itself, but it's not excellent. And that stupid cord that comes out the front, what on earth, right? Agreed. So Agreed. I think I'm going to have to go with the uh, the the dual analog uh, PlayStation controller for that generation. And that is my 32-slash-64-bit powerhouse system. Perfect. Even though I guess, sounds uh, good. I guess the Dreamcast is 128. But anyways, that's what I'm going with. That's fine. <laughs> awesome. I think we did it. We did it. We solved it. Yep. All right. Send our royalty checks to <laughs> podcast <laughs> at Pixel Guide. Um, the next one is from C64J. He says, which console or computer surprised you with how good the games are? Keyword. If you want to go first, that's fine. I, I, have the, I have the answer in mind. Well, I'm, I do too, but I feel like you're ready. So hit us I'm with ready. It. The console or computer that surprised me the most with how good the games were is the for me the first one i got was the turbo graphic 16 yep same here so let's just yep. both agreed to move on from that with that question yes <laughs> but no the, the, i think it was the this is going to sound silly but the clarity of the composite output on that and the color palette grabbed me and then the gameplay especially the shmups on that the shoot 'em ups i i loved i loved it and the little hue cards were so clever 
Um, I, I don't know how they dropped the ball, how NEC dropped the ball so bad on that console here in the U.S. Uh, purely marketing because everything about it was so good. So good. So good. And, and honestly, Sweet I, Caroline. <laughs> so good. So good. So good. Oh, man. So that, that by far. And the runner up for me would be the MSX. Okay. The MSX2. When I got that and played some of those games, I was like, man, these are beautiful old games. They these, really these are. are. They do have a lot of good games in there. Of course, a lot of them are Konami. That's kind of where Konami started sure. and got its, its uh, yeah. sea legs. Um, but yeah, the Turbo Graphics, the amount of good games in there. Yeah, well, little sneak preview for our top 50 uh, 16-bit games of all time next episode. Surprised? How, and yes, I know you can argue that it's not a 16-bit system, but it's got a 16-bit processor in there somewhere, so it's a 16-bit system. Yeah. Um, and it also directly competed with the other 16-bits. So um, it's surprising how many games that we put into our tournament bracket to to place on the top 50 list. Uh, that yeah. end up being turbo graphics and not just shmups i mean all all kinds of games the smoothness i always talk about how smooth the games are on that system they just all of them feel good shouldn't they say do. all of them but such a large percentage of them feel good yep absolutely love it if i had to pick a runner up i like the msx idea um hmm so uh, yeah i'll be honest um a lot of the computers just don't work for me as well as the consoles do so that's common knowledge even though i still love them i still love yeah. them cool thing about the msx though is the big old chunky cartridge port on top i think if we had lived in japan and were playing that and had the cartridges it really wouldn't have mattered much yeah because we would have been getting most of our games on carts right yeah yep um i think I, I think if i had to pick another one uh and i you know I, I played this system before we started our show but when i first got it once you opened your mind up to the Japanese library for the Sega Saturn. Yeah. That would, that would be my, my runner-up. Yep. Cool. Um, cool. Well, that means we finished with our quick questions. Now we have a heartfelt listener letter. Hey, when are we going to jump into some beers here? After the listener letter. Come on. They'll be all grumpy. <laughs> They'll be all grumpy. I have to be, oh, I have to be sober for this? All right. You have to be sober for this. So maybe, I'm, uh, I'm going I'm to cry then, man. I know. Maybe we'll we'll play some of our uh, sad music here under this. So Pajaka, <laughs> this is going to um, bring a tear to my eye. Go. Are you going to read this, or am I? I'm going to. I want you to read it, but I want you to read it in a very emotional voice, Eric. I can do it no other way. Once we get the music going here, go for it. Okay. So this is from our good friend and supporter and pal Pajaco sixty five zero two or Paul as. His friends call him. I think his friends call him Bajaco, actually. So <laughs> here's what he says Hey guys, epic congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. I've been listening for almost a couple of years now, and you folks have kept me company on car journeys, walks to the store, boring days working from home, and even a couple of cycle rides to the hospital to be. Hmm. I'll use the word probed and leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now well, the sound music. Know, yeah. <laughs> do, do the record switch. <laughs> Wait a minute. All right. I'm looking forward to the next 100 episodes. Thanks for making me laugh out loud in public and giving me new things to check out and causing my wallet to shrink on a few occasions when buying stuff you've recommended. 
Cheers, Paul, a.k.a. Pajaco6502. And then you have to say brackets, forward slash, backslash. Oh, that's a picture <laughs> of a bunny. He drew a picture. Of, that's cute. <laughs> yes, that is cute. And you know what? That's a great idea, Pajaco. Like when he said uh, causing my wallet to shrink, that'd be a great quick question for the Patreon subscribers. Like what, yeah. what, what's the most money you've spent on something that you learned about on the show? <laughs> Yeah, or yeah, you just how many times did you buy something? And more importantly, did our recommendations turn out to be good or bad? Now, I do not want Josh Malone to respond to this, because I know he's had a few games that we we really enjoyed. They were yes. not his cup of tea. No. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Viewer discretion is advised. Exactly. All right. Cool. Well, Thank real- you, Pajaco. We really do appreciate it. Uh, it's really awesome to hear words like that. Absolutely. At this point, we are going to go ahead and tell you a little something about our show sponsor. And then right after that, it's time for the new and improved version of the Pixel Guide In patron song. Are you sick and tired of your Commodore computers collecting dust? Mine's got sticky switches. Some of my keys don't work. Or perhaps you need to freshening up with your Tandy Color computer. I'm I'm tired tired of playing playing the same old games. Or perhaps you need to replace your capacitors before your computer explodes. Well, you need to get your butt on down to RetroRewind.ca. With everything you could need from diagnostic cards to transit cards, mouse adapters, and Amiga OS, the Kung Fu Flash, and the Coco SDC. Whoa! That's a lot of stuff. But that's not all, because keep in mind, RetroRewind.ca does repair. That sounds great, yeah, really helpful. But the news keeps getting even better. If you log on now and use code PG10 at checkout, you will save 10% off your entire order. That code again is PG10 from your friends at Pixel Guided. Hop on down to RetroRewind.ca and tell them Cody, Eric, and Tim sent you. See you there. You can get show information on our podcast at PixelGuiden.com. You can also listen to our show on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter using at pixel underscore guiden. You can reach Eric at the project. That's at D-U-H-P-R-O-J-E-C-T. And you can reach Cody at oddball, which is at O-D-D. BA1149. You can also reach me, that's Tim, at Sanxion, and that's at S A N X I O N. Please review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers that you use. It really helps us out. You can email us on podcast at pixelguiden.com. And we love any feedback. And also, please let us know if we've done anything wrong, and we'll mention it on the next show. We also have a Patreon account set up, so if you wish to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pixelguiden. You can support us with as little as a dollar all the way up to infinite dollars. If you do so, you'll get access to the Amigos Retro Network Discord server, where all kinds of cool chat is happening about not only our show, but the other shows, such as Bright Castle and, of course, the Amigos, um, amongst other shows. And there's various other topics in there, um, everything from for sale to music to uh, 
high score contests, things like that. If you support us at the $3 or more tier, we like to announce every supporter at that level here on the show in a way that we can only do here on Pixel Guide and using our random adjective generator. And of course, this month, being a very special episode 100, we have a special treat for you guys. The long-awaited remix of our number one patron song, the request you've all been waiting for, of the Pixel Gaiden trio, Cody, Eric, and Tim, as first performed live to tape, rocking out in the studio with an acoustic guitar, the Pixel Gaiden trio. We've been doing this show such a long, long time. These people helped us along the way. I'll introduce you to some friends of mine Who helped out with a little bit of money So we sing to you their names To respect their contributions
sing the words pixel garden together. You and I did there did together and together again. Now we sing to you these names And our voices reach the heavens We're talking Pixel Garden Pixel Garden Oh man, that sounded great. <laughs> I love it. Aren't we uh aren't we just rock stars? We are, man. We should just start a band. I mean, that's what I heard in my head when we were doing it originally. Yeah. Who would who would have thought it would have taken me uh 5 or 6 hours of of work and sampling and uh pulling out all my instruments to make it a reality, you know? <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. Also, uh, another quick thanks to uh, for for the years of at this point the years of support by Frank and Retro Rewind. I know we just threw a commercial in there for him, but we didn't get to talk about it live. So, um, thanks, Frank, and thank you for all of our listeners for hopping up to uh, on the on Retro Retro Rewind dot ca to uh, support him and uh, everything he's doing there. Not to mention the fact that he gives a whole bunch of that money back for with with a. Uh, a lot of the the charities and stuff he does too so that's super absolutely cool. and uh that the patreon uh quick questions uh segment that i did with all the well with a lot of the patreon subscribers frank joined us on that and yeah, the cool thing is awesome. i think four of us had retro rewind t-shirts on oh perfect <laughs> I, hope, I hope people didn't know that he was going to be on there they just happened to be wearing them just to make them feel that much better you know yeah <laughs> eric no it, time it is now what is that Oh, let me do that, too. And this is a special Retro Rewind beer. Retro Rewind beer! And not that Retro Rewind provided it. I guess they did in a way, though, didn't they? <laughs> there you go, yes. Um, but this one is a rewind because we've had this before, and this was uh, a winner of mine back in the past, I think. I forget what year. Two oh, years ago, merging. my friend. Two ha- years ago. Two years ago, this was my favorite beer, and you dropped by. And uh, hand it off this to you. And this is Prague at Night, a dark Czech lager, 5.8% alcohol by volume. Um, it has a really cool can with a lot of uh, cool Prague uh, city skyline, I guess. Yeah, it's a cool looking can. And I do it's remember this beer. being a, a good beer. We're not going to rate it this time because we've already done that. And if you want to go hear it, go listen to every episode that we did in 2021 because it's in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cheers, so, my friend. You know what? Cheers. And you have your Doug mug. Mm-hmm. Supporter and friend of the show, Doug from 10 Minute Amigo Retrocast. Otherwise known as 10 Mark. I wonder how many people listen to this show. Because um, I know, obviously, there's a lot of people that know each other that listen to the show, but there's a lot of people that just listen to the show and aren't you know as active and stuff. I hear from them from time to time. True. I wonder how many people have not made the connection that 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast 
the YouTube channel is Ten Mark, and we just say Ten Mark. Yeah, and we also say Doug, and they're all talking about the same person. <laughs> exactly. Ah, uh, man, I love the roasty flavor of this, though. It's yeah, that's very a good, good beer. That is a good beer. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, because it's a special episode, we're going to pop back into a segment called "Not So Quick Questions." Quick questions. Kinda. There we go. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> um, so another one here from Pajaco sixty five oh two, and this is very on the nose because we happen to be freshly cracked into a beer. If yeah. beer was made illegal, actually, you know what? I like this question, Eric. Yeah. If beer was made illegal, what drink would you switch to each show? Hmm. I'll let you go first on this one. I I have to admit, though, and this probably says more about me than anything. I thought the most about this question out of all of them. <laughs> That's probably not such a good thing about me, but uh, I did think a lot about this. But I want you to answer it first. Go ahead. Here's my here's my answer, Eric. Yeah. If beer was made illegal, I would still drink beer on each show. That's my answer. Dang you know? it! That's what that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say we'd be drinking the, the we'd be making that secret prohibition beer in the yeah. back. Yeah. Be, we'd, we'd be pulling a bag out of the toilet like out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> the, what is that? Pruno. Pruno. There you go. The, oh, the home boy. fermented beer. So I'm gonna. That I think the real question here is: if you couldn't drink beer on the show, what else would you drink yeah. on the show? Yeah. And for me, it's gonna be whiskey. That's like my other beverage vice of choice so could be a scotch one day might be a bourbon the next day um i can't say there's there's a lot of irish whiskey that i like yet um but i'm sure i'd get there i'd figure you'd say that and i i think that that's probably one that we could agree on and drink together on the show so that's probably the the correct answer but i did give a lot of thought to this i did think that one thing that would be pretty cool that we could do remotely that we could synchronize with since we record remotely, uh, you know, without each other in, in person is that we could do, um, like cocktails, like mixed drinks, because we could just have all the ingredients and then we could try different recipes and try them and see what they're like. So this segment would be much longer hearing us like shaking things exactly. up, pouring the ice out, spilling it, getting the bar rag. That's the beauty of beer is it's you open it and you're ready to go. Um, which would work yeah, well with the it would work well with the whiskeys. The problem would be you're like, all right, Eric, I just got a handle of this one hundred and fifty dollars scotch. Now I need exactly. you to go get it too. <laughs> that, yeah, we're, how would we do that? Like, we're gonna, that would be tough. That would be tough. We want to thank all of our patrons for multiplying <laughs> all of their uh, subscriptions at ten times their original amount. Exactly. Because we got to drink ourselves a, a, a twenty year McCollin. But I think we should do, we should agree right now, and this is true, is that if they do make beer illegal, then we will be making beer and sharing it for the <laughs> podcast, because that is exactly what I would be doing. Only if I get to throw it in the back of, like, a, 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 an old Chevelle or something, and then, like, burning rubber <laughs> down to your house and, like, evading cops, yep. doing flips in the air. Yes. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, you got the next uh, not-so-quick question, Eric. All right. From, this is from C64J. Now that you have reached the milestone of 100 episodes, has the podcast reached or exceeded your expectations for it from when you started? Hmm. This is a hard question. 
Has the podcast reached or exceeded your expectations for it from when you started? Okay. Uh, yeah. I think I already know your answer. You know my answer? I think so. I'm Maybe not even sure I know my answer. Okay. Okay. Um, my answer, I see, I don't, I honestly don't know how to, to know how to, uh, to answer this. I think, so my, I didn't have any expectations. I guess that was my thing. I guess okay. my answer is more hopes, right? So realistically, yeah. I guess it exceeded my expectations because I was, you know, realistically, you know, I would not have expected us to make it to a hundred. I thought we'd burn out at a certain point or we'd have fun for 20 episodes and then realize, man, this is taking a lot of time and it was fun. And now it's not anymore or something. And that has not happened. And I don't, I, any, I don't see any time soon, uh, you know, stopping. So right. in that way, it has met my expectations and far exceeded it. Um, I will be completely honest, and this may, might, might be unpopular, and I'll be honest. Okay. The show is fulfilling, and I love doing it, and so this has nothing to do with that, and I love all of our people. I thought once it kind of kicked off and the numbers started going up so quickly within the first year or so. Yeah. Um, and um, I haven't checked them in probably in six months, but they, they didn't, they kind of stopped growing very fast. Yeah. They, the numbers continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very appreciative for everyone that listens and, uh, and all our patrons and everything, but I kind of figured it'd be more exponential, but really it's kind of like, uh, what I don't know what it's called. Instead of being exponential, it kind of shot up quicker, and now like the the amount we we uh, of new listeners we get is less and less. Yeah, which is interesting. It's plateauing, and we don't it's, advertise yeah. or anything, so no, that's, I think that's no. to be expected. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I I I do agree with you. I didn't have a lot of expectations for the show in in regards for popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have expectations for the show that if I wanted to make sure that it remained fun for everybody, yep. I mean, you know, that that's important to me. I mean, if, if this becomes another job and we're complaining about it and trying to get rid, then there's no point in doing it. And I haven't reached that yet. I still very much enjoy it. And I, I, uh, I come across a lot of new stuff and ex- exposed to new games. And, and I'm always amazed about how creative you and Tim are with either your segments or your songs or so, stuff like that. I'm always amazed. And I, 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 I mean, I, it's, it's, it, overall, it's, it's exceeded my expectations for fun and for doing it. And that's why we're at a hundred episodes now and going yeah, strong. Sure. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the future. I hope we do a hundred more. There's no reason in my mind that I wouldn't do it. I still love doing it. Um, some of the stuff that I that, that has kind of broken my heart over the while is that we don't record in person anymore. I was thinking a lot about that recently. Yeah. I, yeah. I loved the, I loved the, my bad. No, 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 not your bad. <laughs> you had to do what you had to do. But, um, what I loved is that the night we would record, it was just kind of like exciting. I'd pack this bag full of crap that I had been collecting for the month. Do you, you yeah. remember me bringing in the big bags of stuff? You know, you have a, ba- a bag of beer and then a bag of like show and tell. Yep. And have two bags with me and bring them in. And then like, like the reveal, like pulling them out of the bag. I mean, I, I, I that was so fun, but it was, also, it, but it was also, conven- sorry, I was just going to say, it's also a fun point to notice that when, especially at that point, when we were doing the bag thing, we're like, we would go out of our way to like, not to like try to keep secrets from each other. Like, I'm not going to tell them until we're live on the air. Exactly. Like, then I'm going to pull this thing out and they're going to be like, Whoa. And that was fun. Right. <laughs> that was, that was so much fun. Yeah. Um, but, it's you know, like like everything. It's a give and take. Recording 
now like this, I don't have to worry about drinking too much and trying to drive home and you know what you I just, mean? You just drink too much. You don't have to worry about it. I don't have to drink. Yeah, I can just drink as much as I want and just fall over and <laughs> fall asleep in my bed. So it's all good. So there's some give and takes there. But um, but yeah, so f- the short answer is that, yeah, I, I it's exceeded my expectations in, in, in the fun part. Um, I think it would be neat if we got a lot more listeners, and I think that's going to come. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention was that I think this genre of show – which is a multi-genre. We talk about all systems, all retro systems. Even the very those, bizarre, weird ones, and we get into the nitty-gritty about yep. some of the way the hardware is made up. And we have people on the show that are very smart, which is cool, that talk about and ask questions about like yep. processing power and clock speed. and yeah. I think those are the hardest shows to get giant audiences. I think that most mostly when you focus in on either a particular type of game or platform or something like that, I think it's easier to grow a quick audience in those. You heard it here first, guys. We're canceling the show. We're Come check <laughs> right. out our new show called Nintendo Nerds. Exactly. Where we talk about the first five uh, iterations of Nintendo consoles. I think if you did that, it's quick. It's faster to get a bigger audience. Um, but I think if you go long enough for this kind of genre, I think it'll... I think it, I think it gets um, what they call like stickier subscribers. Like, like power. They, they they listen oh, well, longer. Well, you know what, what I, mean? I will say, yeah, what has definitely uh, exceeded my expectations. Yeah, is um, our listenership. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, so this is I guess this is a point of pride I have in the show. Is it is and and there's metrics and stuff we can look at. Um, but people listen to the show and they continue to listen to the show. There's, I, there's a lot of people that listen to our show that have no interest in retro video games. Yeah. And I shouldn't say a lot, but I mean enough yeah. to, to, you're like, why would you listen to a show about a very niche topic that you don't have any interest in, which makes me feel good that we can entertain people talking about <laughs> stuff. And a lot of people have told me that, you know, people, uh, you know, you typically, you know, friends or relatives that end up listening, um, who are like, you know, I, I'm not even interested, but just hearing your passion for stuff and you guys get excited stuff, like, is it's fun to hear and, it, and it's, you know, it becomes kind of comfort food, I guess, for people too. So that's why when I'm this so, is over, we're going to start a show about ghosts and UFOs. That's our next show. Is, do you then, have passion for that, Eric? Is that why? No, not really. But then the next one after <laughs> that, after 100 episodes of that, we're going to have one on politics. And then 100 episodes after that, we're going to have one on vinyl records. Sounds, ooh, now, now you got me back. You're losing me, losing me, losing me. Now you got me back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, do you have anything else to say on there? I, I nope, might have cut I, you off at some point. Okay, all right. I think that's it. The next not so quick question is from Lord Soup, who is the Lord of all of the soups. Yes. Um, I'm very curious about the name. We should have a, a listener segment where we learn what their handles are all about. I mean, C64J, I get. Right. Lord Soup. I'm also curious about Mitoyama. Um, Lord Soup, do you guys think it's time we had a project for a dedicated machine for enhanced remakes and also said remakes on the market? That's word for word how it was written, so I think I think one word might have been wrong. It's kind of confused it a little bit, but ultimately, yeah, do you think it's time we had a project for a dedicated machine for enhanced remakes? Yeah, I mean, I read this, you know, when when he first posted this, I read this, um, and I had a hard time kind of um, well, figuring it out, because like, we kind of do. We have PCs, right? 
And uh, PCs, you can make dedicated remakes machine. of anything, even retro Dedi- games. Dedicated machine. Dedicated yeah. machine. Exactly. My, my, my answer is going to be, that's, what, that's why I was so excited about the Amico. Like, that's what it was. Right. In theory. Obviously, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. The Amico was... Yeah. All these, it turns out to be all these kind of horrible things that didn't work out. But the theory of it was, here's a cartridge, couch co-op, and it was like, here's all these updated old Intellivision, Atari, all these classic games, enhanced remakes. Not to mention they were coming out with like new games like Earthworm Jim 3, which essentially would be, you know, in a, in a sense, an enhanced remake. Yeah. So, yes, I, I mean, I, you, you and I both invested in that exact concept. So I would say we both would say ultimately, yes, we would love to have that project. Yeah. I would love to have that. And you kind of do have that in the Evercade. You, well, you have the platform for that. Yes. You yep. haven't seen the remakes for them yet, but that you could have them on there. Um, the Atari 50th anniversary cartridge for the Switch. I mean, that has a few remakes on it, like reimagining of games. You really yep. could t- you could take any modern platform and kind of do that on there. But a dedicated platform, you're right, a dedicated machine to do that. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, I, I think the Evercade is that. I mean, obviously, they're using it for a different purpose. The yes. only difference between the Evercade and exactly what he's talking about is just the, the way that they are. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking at? Choosing games for the system. I know there's a the better word for it. I can't think of the word. Um, but yeah, that's I mean, that's why I, I, I have that machine. That's why I wanted the Amico is I want to get basically new games for old systems on cartridge. Yeah, and the Evercade does that nicely. And, and I know we've thought about ways that to make the Evercade better. We've thought about different types of cartridges, and you could just have a cartridge with a, which with reimagining of old games. You know what I mean? You could yeah. you could do you could do so much with that platform, and it's there and it's available, and the cartridges are available. Um, that that would be fun. That would, something like that would be cool. Yeah. Speaking of Mitsuyama, Eric. Yeah. I love this How question. You, yeah, Mitsuyama, here he goes. How do you explain this hobby and your podcast to people who are not into this hobby? So, it, my answer is going to be this. Yeah. It's different to every person I talk to. <laughs> it, same, same with me. When you when you walk up to your buddy who who has neck tats, my yeah. answer is a little bit different to it than it mm-hmm. is to uh yep. to uh, you know, a skinny guy with glasses, I'm all all stereotype, and it's different to everybody, but ultimately what I've noticed every time I talk about it, I would say, oh, 99% of the time I'd say it, somebody gets excited and they're like, oh, do you mean games like, and then they throw like their childhood out. Yeah. Oh, do you mean games like, uh, like, yeah, Super Mario Brothers? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of them, you know, yeah. and newer and older. Right. Or so, oh, do you mean like, uh, like the Atari Pac-Man? Yeah. You know, and then everyone's while you get someone, some guy who wants to test you, right? It's like, oh, I've got a system you do not have. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, well, I'm, I'm excited to hear. I'm like, I'm going to be honest. I probably have it, but I'm excited to hear what you're into because I'll, yeah. I'll be excited too. No, you don't have this one. It's the Atari Jaguar. I'm like, oh, I got it. But that you're yeah. right. That is a obscure, fun console. And they're like, no way. Yeah. So for the most part, I guess they're answering a different question. I get great reactions every time I talk about it. You know, I've never had anyone like shame me for it. Um, and when people come over and, and see my room, I just had a new guy come to my house uh, with a friend the other day. His name was also Cody. Mm. Um, and uh, he stared at the wall and just got excited for like 10 minutes. You know? 
Um, yeah. Yeah. What about you? That is cool. So for me, and, I, and again, this is probably a poor reflection on me. Whoever's in front of me is how I explain it. So like yep. if it's a client and they're very professional and they happen to ask like, hey, what do you go? What do you do for a hobby? They're probably expecting me to say golf or hiking, like one hike. Yeah, it's something like that. Um, I coach, you know, soccer or something. But I, I end up t- I end up saying stuff like. Um, you know, I fix and refurbish old computers and old video game systems, <laughs> which I do. So yeah. it's not a lie. I do yeah. that. I do that a lot. And they, and, and they find it interesting. Like, oh, that's interesting, you know, and they ask me about it or whatever. And then if it's somebody not related to work, that's just a friend on the street or whatever, or family or whatever, I say, oh, yeah, I play video games. <laughs> I have video games. Because yep. if you say you play video games to a certain type of person, they immediately shut off and think you're not serious or they think you're, you know, not mature or whatever. So um, it depends on who's in front of me. Um, But I explain, I basically explain to people though. And and if people seem interested, then I go, I keep going down the rabbit hole. I just tell them, Hey, yeah, I, I like to buy old consoles that don't work. I like to fix them. I like to, you know, I, I like to collect obscure ones and computers from the eighties. And, you know, I just like to do and and just keep explaining. If they get more and more excited about it, I invite them over and show them the collection. And it's a lot of people have found it really fascinating. Next thing you know, you're on your third date. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I took it the wrong way. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's funny. That's, that's, Yeah. I typically, I just, I just like to kind of laugh and kind of say, you know, I'm a, I'm a big nerd, so I play. Now, but I always say, I always play, I always say old games or retro games because I never just say video games because yeah. either you get put in that category of like sitting on your couch for six hours at night, you know, playing uh, shooters Calling against me. little yeah. kids and stuff. But even yeah. when I say, yeah, I play old video games, a lot of people are like, oh, have you tried the new Modern Warfare? Yeah. Typically, younger guys. I'm like, nah, that's not really, that's not really my scene. I play new games, but not not that one, not that right. style. But yeah. Anyways, there's some not so quick questions, which means it's time for us to move into our next section, which I'm looking at real quick to make sure I don't miss something. Oh, we do have a, a, a wee bit of errata. Where did where did uh, where did Tim put that? I think it was a very minor thing. Although no, I is. can't find it. There it is. Tim just wanted to point out on episode 98, he said that he was writing a mech from Captain Commando was just like Metal Gear. And what he actually meant was Metal Slug. I think we all knew that. That's yeah. not a big piece of errata. Um, <laughs> right. What was a big piece of errata was one time Eric called Tim a racist and he was joking. <laughs> that was not true at all. <laughs> it was just a joke. It's going to continue on. I'm never going to live that one down. You, well, yeah, you lived it up, man. Everyone thought that was hilarious in the moment. Never sounds as funny when we talk about it, but no, we continue to talk people, about it. No, because now people, new listeners are listening going, what? <laughs> Him's a racist? No, but it was funny when he said he was. Um, all right, moving on, moving on. Sorry, I have to scroll around here. It's time, Eric. Yes. For us to discuss some news. So this first bit of news, Eric, yes. is sent into us by a gentleman named Tim. I'm going to get this wrong. Tim Raycor. I always want to say Rencor, like the 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 monster guy from Star Wars. 
Yeah. Throw him in the pit with the Rancor. <laughs> <laughs> I think you but got it right. Raycor, Rackor. Tim Rackor. Yeah. Um, or it could I'm, be Ratcher. So I've oh. seen, I've actually seen, which is, this was really cool. Actually, I was a bit, I was, I was excited about this. This is one of the expectations of the show I did not have. And that is, uh, you know, even, even though it's not, you know, a huge deal, but, um, this guy is a programmer and he came out with a new game and I've seen on a lot of different outlets and he, um, wanted us to give it a shot, sent us yeah. a, a trial, a demo copy, not a demo copy, what do you call it? Beta copy to, to try out. And man, you know, I honestly never played the first game that this game is based off of, but I've always wanted to because I love schlocky B-movies. Yeah. Um, and we got a copy to play, and I did pop it in and start playing a little bit of it, and I'm going to dig into this thing. Uh, did you ever play the original um, It Came From the Desert? I did not play the original, but I've seen, I watched a video on it a long time ago because I was getting into, like, I was learning about Cinemaware. So I was okay. learning about um, there's a game called Wings that they made and um, it's a couple other ones. And I, I, I happened to watch a video of the of the game and I thought it looked really cool. I just never, never really got into it. Yeah. And, I, and I've always wanted to. I'm like, man, that looks super cool. And, and uh, it is a, a game on the Amiga, I believe, originally. Mm-hmm. It had multiple different types of gameplay, but it was just super campy adventure game with different types of uh, gameplay kind of thrown into it. Um, however, Tim sent us a demo copy of his new game. It returned to the desert, yeah. which is all these beautiful sepia tone uh, images. They look like it's straight off of the Amiga or PCs, early PCs, with the big old desert scenes and gigantic ants, which again, the, the original game uh, was based off of these giant uh, insects that start taking over the desert. Um, and it actually releases... February 15th, so the same day yeah. uh, this episode releases. Uh, this game will be out. Um, and it, I, I played a little bit of it, and I, again, I, I really want to dig into it, but it starts kind of as these this overworld map where you go to these different places. You're a scientist coming to this place to research this meteor that landed on uh, in the town, and you know everyone's kind of uh, backwoodsy redneck kind of a thing, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and so you're doing a little detective work, but if you actually watch the video here, and this is kind of similar to the original game, there's some top-down turn-based strategy um, elements where your people uh, trying to take out these ants without them taking you out. It's even got a cool, like, uh, sh- you know, on Fallout when you got that, that targeting system where you can shoot for the head or the leg and there's percentages and stuff. Yeah. That's kind of built in here. Um, there you go. See him, he's targeting the leg right there. He shot the ant. It's called the VATS system, I the remember. Va- yeah, that's right, the VATS system. Yeah. Um, and then there's some there's some other mini games I'm trying to I'm trying to here's a, a card like tarot reading card mini game. Here's a puzzle with some beakers and things. Um, ant attack. So this guy's now running away and trying to help people in the the hospital. Uh, here's a fl- almost like a, a bomber down. Yeah, like yeah, you're bombing or something, right? <laughs> flying a jet and bombing things. Um, it looks really cool. Right? Yeah. It's I haven't played this because I, I we did get the email and then I got super busy at work, but I really want to. It looks right up my alley. I think it looks really cool. And I'm going to give it a bonus point because one of the characters you play is Sergeant Cody. Wow. Check nice. that out. I'd, yeah. like, I'd like to say that's my picture he put in there, but not, not the case. Um, <laughs> 
And just like I would do if I made my own game studio, he called it Tim Raker Games. Yeah. So there you go. So It Returned to the Desert comes out today, in theory, right? The 15th of February yep. on PC Windows. Uh, we got ours on a Steam key, so check it out, man. It looks... Uh, again, what I've played, I've enjoyed so far, but I haven't got enough far enough into it to give it its full praise, I don't think, so... Awesome. Um, right. Do you want to read yeah, this one? This is this was sent yeah. in by David Modelak. Yeah, so it's just a link, so we're going to have to open that up first so I can talk about this intelligently. But David Modelak sends us, who's our Patreon subscriber, sends us a uh, thing that says, a link, <laughs> which will be in the show notes, that says, Game Boy Classic Revenge of the Gator gets a huge fan-made overhaul. Tim's going to be excited. Yeah, because this is a game we covered in our was a versus. It was a, a battle of the systems, right? Uh, yeah, and it was Tim's game of the year. It was Tim's game of the year, which is it's a great, fantastic Game Boy pinball game. Uh, and it is um, so what they did here is I'm just going to read straight from this thing here. Revenge of the Gators is one of the earliest Game Boy pinball games, but it has stood the test of time surprisingly well, and that's true. I mean, we really love that game. Uh, it's by it's by Hal, who you mm-hmm. know they make a lot of they make the Kirby they started the Kirby series second party they, Nintendo uh, yep uh, developer. So this is Revenge of the Gator Gold, and it's a is a ROM hack, which not only adds a splash of color. Oop, I was reading that. Yep. <laughs> not only adds a splash of color to the game, but also makes it run faster. Ooh, with no slowdowns, and allows you to save your high scores. There are also a few bug fixes thrown in for a good measure too. And then it gives so you there a link we go. that you can download. Yeah. So we're watching a little video of it here, but we played a lot of this game because it was really fun. And once you kind of figured it out, you can play some pretty long uh, game times as well. But yeah. Yeah, it looks like I a Game it. Boy Color version of, a, of the game. But the fact that there's no slowdown anymore, that's a big thing for a lot of these ROMs that people yeah. have figured out how to get rid of the, uh, the slowdown yeah. on the systems. Yeah. They found little tricks to optimize it. But this game was. If you if you haven't played this game, go play it. It's fan. It's one of the best games on the Game Boy. I I think. I mean, it, it's awesome. Uh, the next one here was sent in by Josh Malone. Yep. Also known as Forty Eight K Ram, uh, which I do know where that stems from. That is a Atari reference. It's Atari computer reference when you upgraded from sixteen K to a full forty eight K. Eric. Nice. See, I've learned a thing or two about our niche gaming podcast. Yeah. Uh, he wants to make sure everyone knows that the basic 10-line games competition is underway. Uh, he gives a link here, which is homeputterium.de, so German website. Yeah. I don't know what puterium, putterium, putrium. Uh, the deadline for submissions is Saturday, March 25th, 2023 at 6 p.m. CET, which I'm guessing is, is that, it's not central, it's got to be like German time, right? I, I would think it's like so. German time. Yeah. I I'm not guess. sure, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm going to glean off the website here, but uh, it looks like they've been doing this since <laughs> 2015. Oh, was die Präsidentschaft. It actually does say something very similar to that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, basic, uh, it can be written, if I remember this correctly, it can be written on pretty much any classic computer using that uses basic. And you yeah. have 10 lines, right? 10 lines of code. And man, for the right person, that probably sounds like a great time. For me, that sounds like hell. But <laughs> I will try the games. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or, or I guess it doesn't have to be a game. I think any kind of program you can write with 10 lines. But yeah, very cool. Hopefully Josh Malone puts an entry in and I will 
take a look at what he has to do. Awesome. Eric found a new game, huh? I did on Pico 8. So um, this is a new Pico 8 game. And I've, I've actually played two or three new Pico 8 games, so I'll be talking about them probably on a, episode 101, like later nice. on. Uh, but this one stood out because it is a very sophisticated game on the Pico 8. It's called Little Eidolons, and it is kind of a mashup between, like, it's almost like a turn-based strategy with Pokemon. So you pick, huh. like, a starting little monster, and you go around and you battle that monster with with. You basically build a team of monsters that then fights, but it is grid-based tactical strategy. Yes. Which Pokemon, Pokemon was never like that. No, Pokemon um, was pretty boring, when it, in my opinion, when it came to the actual battles. Yeah, so um, this one is turn-based strategy. Like, there's a, there's a, like, you know, fire beats water and water beats earth or whatever. You know what I mean? There's, like, different elements that have strength and weaknesses against each other. And you can see a little map and a grid that shows you. But one of the things I found fascinating about this game is it it actually does have save points and it saves it to the Pico 8 cartridge. So, like, you can save. Like, you can get further and further in this game, almost like a little mini RPG and and just... It, I, I spent probably two hours playing this game and loved really? every minute of it. It was a lot of fun. So this is a very sophisticated, it's funny to see these more sophisticated games coming out for Pico eight. And I, I welcome it. It's awesome. So I'm anyway, playing it right now and I'm, get, I'm getting a feel for it, but yeah, this, this is fun. <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I always forget when you show these, you're playing them. I always oh, think it's a it. demo. I was like, wow, look at this demo. <laughs> I always forget you're playing them on the screen there, but no, it's so little Eidolons, um, little Eidolons. There'll be a link in the show notes that shows uh, where to grab that. Cool. This next one, the one I was going to put in here, but you already did. So I'll let you talk about this one as well, but yeah, I'm so always a is... sucker for any kind of plants versus zombie game, even if it's a remake of what I've already played. Cause it's such a good game. Yep. And this is, this is exactly that. It's called Veggies versus Undead. Uh, it is basically a complete clone of Plants vs. Zombie for the Commodore 64, though. And then it's by Dr. Mortal Wombat. He <laughs> makes a lot of really cool remakes and demakes and stuff like that. Um, there'll be a link in the show notes to Indie Retro News to talk about that. But I did download this game and I haven't had a, had a, I haven't been able to play it yet, but. I watched a gameplay video of this and it it is exactly what you think it is. It is yeah. Plants vs. Zombie with all the similar characters. All it it basically is the game and it's awesome. And it runs really smooth according to the, with the video that I saw. So I'm going to download this and play it cuz I do man, I remember when I got my first iPad years and years and years ago i grabbed this game and played it and then i remember buying it on an xbox that i had xbox 360 and i did spend a lot of time playing it's this so game. good it yeah. really is so good um if you guys have people, never played uh, plans vs zombies you've got to give it a shot but it's a tower defense game where yeah. you're a garden protecting your house by putting plan, planting things in your lawn that'll attack the zombies that are coming from the street to your house um and you you pay for things with sunshine <laughs> the sun yeah. na- naturally makes it and you plant these flowers that make it in this game you don't even have to click on the flowers to to bring the sunshine into your your coffers there it looks like it automatically does it so you're just worried about using the cursor to plant things but man this looks so good and i would love to hear that music with um with the sid chip too yep. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, you, you explained it perfectly because I wanted to make sure people understood because it's been around a long time and it's possible people haven't played this game because it now is getting on to be at least 15 years old, right? Well, and the second one was would have been good, except it was completely like pay to play. Yeah. Like pay for upgrades or time or coins and stuff, and it kind of ruined it. I'd Big love mistake. to play a full version of that that you didn't have to pay. Individ- like, I'll, I'll pay 10 bucks for it and just play it. That'd be great. That's right. Uh, and then they had all these like Garden Warfare games, which were based off the same license, but they're like shooters and they had nothing to do with the original game. But awesome game. Um, couple notes. I love to talk about my video game related movies that keep popping out magically. <laughs> yeah. Last time we talked about Gran Turismo. Before yeah. we talked about like God of War, which I get God of War. Gran Turismo, I'm not sure how that's going to be a movie. I don't know um, if you really want to know why, how, how do you make a movie uh, about Tetris? Well, you'll find out, Eric, because Tetris the movie is coming out. That's now, bizarre. Before I even click on this, let me also tell you this. This makes it even better. Not only is it Tetris the movie, it's rated R. <laughs> <laughs> wow. R-rated Tetris, which apparently, when you look about it here, uh, I don't know the full thing. I read a little bit, but it's actually a movie about like some some nerds and how they get involved with some like spine and espionage i have no idea it's going to come out on apple tv first and foremost the, the, if that picture was the actors that are in at the top yeah they, i mean they look like porn stars <laughs> <laughs> don't they like 70s porn stars right there maybe like that's good what, one, like good ones exactly <laughs> Wow. Yep, they are mustachioed and sepia-toned, aren't they? Yes. So anyways, Tetris the movie. So excited about that. Um, also, this next uh, video vi- thing, Eric, you sent me this, and my wife I and I did watch Saturday Night Live over the weekend. Uh, we always watch it a few days after, but... Yeah. Oh, if you guys haven't seen it, man, I was laughing so hard, but um, I forget this guy's name. Uh, Pasc- he was uh, Pedro Pascal. There you go. He was in uh, The Last of Us, and I know him from The Mandalorian and a mm-hmm. couple other things. But they did a video, basically, where it, a fake movie trailer where they're doing uh, Mario Kart the movie, but yeah. it's like super gritty. He's trying to save this princess who's been lost from a home. And yep. uh, oh, it's great. Like they meet him at the bar and they turn around and you see this guy in a red shirt. Who's that guy? It's a me, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. I, I thought it was hilarious, and I immediately sent it to you. And I, I uh, man, it, I, and I, I sent it to you, and I said, if this was real, I'd watch it in a heartbeat. I'd, yeah, I'd, they need to make it. They need to make a real movie. <laughs> that's the Mario movie I want. Not this other crap. Not the stuff with Chris Pratt and whatever. I want that. That's the movie I want right there. Dude, freaking hilarious! <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. He's got like a sawed-off shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part though is when they're like talking to you know he's actually uh you know in the trailer he's got the princess in his cart and they're like carting around this dark yeah. dystopian world and she's like what happens if we fall off the road right and he's like there's a little guy in a cloud with a fishing pole who'll put us back on <laughs> she's, she's like, like huh. oh okay <laughs> i liked it when oh, luigi popped gosh. out i don't remember what he said but when they showed luigi <laughs> Yep. Yeah, yeah, you got to right. go watch that. Go on YouTube and look that up. Check it out. I'll probably watch it a couple more times. I've only seen it the once, so it'll be yeah. almost fresh and new the second time to me. Um, ooh, Eric, you you got this one on the list. This is yep. a great great one. Yep. So, I, did you download this yet? Oh, I've played it. I've oh, been good. playing it. 
So there's a new game called Lester. It's a high-quality C64-128 Metroidvania by Knife Grinder. And I got this news on Indie Retro News, and when I saw the picture, I immediately went and downloaded it and paid for it. Um, it is... The thing about this game isn't... I mean, the gameplay is awesome, but the palette that they used and the and the graphics are very... I don't know any other word to describe it other than clean. The graphics are very yeah. clean on this and very fluid. I mean, the sprite animations and stuff are very fluid on this. It is it's it's a, solid. a beautiful game. Yeah, it's a platformer. So you're running around and you're basically trying to go from... It's a flick screen platform, platformer. And you're basically a guy and you have a weapon and you, and you can shoot and you can go around and you can get power-ups and, and do different things. Um, and you collect coins and the coins, you can use the coins to buy certain things. Um, and the nice thing is there's an overworld map. So you can see the map of the whole, I don't know, is this a PlayStation, a space station you're in? I think, yeah, it's kind of like a, it looks like a space station regardless of what it's supposed to be. Um, and you're basically going around, you're trying, I forget exactly what you're trying to, I haven't beaten the game yet, but I've heard that it's a very, like, it's a challenging game, but it's beatable. And you could supposedly beat it within in like an hour or so, which is perfect. I think it's it's an hour once you know where everything is. Yes. Okay. I probably played for over an hour already myself, and uh, you can there's like an overworld map. Okay. And it shows all these rooms, and I've probably got through about a quarter of them in my hour. Um, okay. But yeah, it's kind of like Mega Man. You're this little guy that can shoot a gun straight forward in front of you, but like Mega Man meets you know a Metroid game, um, and you yep. can find power ups with add add more HP. So you can take more hits. There's power-ups and keys to open doors, allow you into different spots and abilities, allow you to jump higher, and all those good Metroidvania E things. So, yep, very cool game. Um, gonna, I'm gonna, I am going to beat it. Awesome. Yeah, I'm probably gonna beat it too. I got about, I, I, I went through about half of the rooms and uh, just ran out of time. But plus, and how it, much? Go, go sorry, on. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I think it was like um, six bucks or something like that. I'm, I can't something remember. Like that. I don't remember the exact amount, but it's pretty cheap. But it's worth it. I mean, this game is a high quality game. So, and uh, th- so I went kind of down a rabbit hole after I played this, and I read this part down here that says it takes inspiration from the MSX game Ghost. And Slash I looked that up. Ghost. Yeah. yeah. So, Mini Ghost is the PC version of Ghost, apparently. Okay. But it's an MSX game that it, you can tell it's almost exactly this game. So this guy basically uh, reimagined a game that was came out you know five or six years ago on the MSX. Okay. Um, but it's really good. And so I'm going to give that a shot after I beat Lester. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So that's a great one. Um, this is a fun little piece of news I saw because I'm okay. like, wait, are you serious here? Um, if you were one of the ones who purchased the not the Taito Egret mini arcade, but the Taito Egret 2 mini arcade, which is one I've thought about for quite a while. And if I had endless amounts of money, I would own it by now. They came out with Egret Mini Arcade Memories Volume 1, which is comes in looks like a little Wii case, like a Nintendo Wii case. Yeah. Uh, or Switch case. And there's a little SD card in it. Looks really well packaged and it gives you 10 more games you pop on the side of your Egret. Egret man, Mini. I gotta look into this egret. And the egret's the cool one that has the uh, the screen that that you can push in and it pops out, and then you adjust it vertical and push it back in. Yeah, so it can go both. Um, you can see the card right there. 
pops inside. Now this now might be, got, I might be being stupid here. I didn't know they came out with a second version of this, the Egret 2. Yeah, we talked about it on the show. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember. <laughs> um, so anyways, the, the new games included on this one are, so a lot of these I don't recognize, but a lot of them are, are Japanese, so um, and they right. look great. But Great Swordman, a uh, game called uh, Ogon no Thiro, also known as a Gladiator, Slap Fight, uh, Twin Hawk, Puli Rula, Grid Seeker, Riding Fight, Dungeon Magic, Gekarinden, which I've actually played. That's a cool yes, shmup. That's a great And one. Cleopatra Fortune. Um, so a lot of those games don't sound like you, you would know what they are, but they are all Japanese. And um, just looking at some of the gameplay of them, they look like, like... I've heard of Slap Fight, which I always make fun of because why would you call a game Slap Fight, really? <laughs> right. Um, but it looks like a solid little collection of games. I just think it's cool that they're adding more. And they call it Collection Volume 1, which means more potentially would be on their way. That's cool. I got to look into that. Yeah, that's fun. You always hear about these mini consoles that have an SD card, and you're like, maybe they're going to add games. And they never do, but this, this time they did. This time, this one, they did this time. Very cool. Hey, so I've been hearing about this all over the place. It's all over the internet. I've heard about it on multiple podcasts. I've read about <laughs> it on multiple news sites. So GoldenEye is available on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's on Switch Online. So you can go and get GoldenEye, a new kind of version of that, and play it against your friends. Now, from what I understood, I did listen to a podcast. The Switch version, you can play online against other people. Okay. The Xbox one, you can do local local multiplayer, but not online. Now, that's what I heard on a different podcast. They might be wrong. I don't know. But supposedly... Um, you you can download GoldenEye now and play it on modern consoles, including the Switch and Xbox. So I just think that's Very pretty cool. interesting. I haven't done it yet. I don't know much about it, but I do have a bunch of links that I'll put in the show notes that um, talk about the new version of GoldenEye. I, I can't remember. Did you ever play a bunch of GoldenEye with people back in the day? Never. Never played okay. it back in the day. I didn't have an N64, and I didn't know anyone with one. Gotcha. That's, that's the beautiful thing about it. You only had to have one person because they had four controllers right on the front. That's right. They Four had player work. split screen. Yeah, because remember, I worked at Prima Games, and so mm-hmm. they would do strategy guides for all sorts of games on the N64, and it was right during that era is when I was working at Prima. Um, but I honestly didn't go into the game labs much and play a lot of N64 games. So The game labs, I like it. I like yeah. it. Eric, yeah. are you ready for episode ready. 100's version of news, news, news of the weird, 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 weird? Yay! Let's hear it. <laughs> it's time for me to talk about weird news around the web. And I'll be honest, I think three of these are pretty weird, and two of them are just uh, um, borderline offensive to me. So, <laughs> right. I see one that is offensive to me, so I know one. <laughs> okay. So, a company called Game Flavor is releasing a Resident Evil flavored soft drink. <laughs> mm, sounds delicious. <laughs> Which I can only imagine tastes like dead, rotting human flesh. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, it, it is insane. And you know they're going to sell out of this. It comes in this crazy big crate with like, it looks super industrial. There's like 10 beverages. I'm just kind of looking like cans that slide into this box. I mean, it's way overproduced. You know, it's cardboard and sugar water. So this whole thing couldn't cost them more than like $2.32 to make. But it's probably 100 bucks or something for, for yeah. all these drinks. But 
Here it is, the first aid drink collector's box. It looks like a first aid kit from Resident Evil. And um, uh, the page is being unresponsive, apparently. So apparently I broke it. I broke the internet. But what do you think about that, Eric? Yeah, I, I, did, I did hear about this. I heard about it on another podcast, and they were talking about it. And they were saying, you know, most people will collect this and never open the drink. Um, but I did read that one person did open the drink, and it was not great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I don't remember. He said it was just, it tasted like something that, you know, it wasn't horrible. It was something pretty typical, but you're not um, paying for the beverage. Come on. <laughs> yeah. No, you're paying for the, and I would do the same. I wouldn't drink it. I would just keep it as a kind of collectible if it was priced right. Here's the next piece of news of the weird. Mm. Uh, recently a game was discovered at a uh, car boot sale or something to that effect in England that had um it was a game called there's i guess this game was actually out there eric so if you look at this thing it was this arcade game that you actually had steps you walked into this like motion simulator thing called an as1 yeah as-1 massive and uh i guess there there was a game like a flight simulator space game in there and they had like uh training missions and things and someone recently found an unreleased um what do they call it an unreleased not a training mission. Uh, yeah, they call it. I guess they just called it scramble training with um, Michael Jackson as the captain, <laughs> who's teaching you how to fly this ship. And this is straight up Michael Jackson mid like when he just looked like uh, he was really trying hard to be a thirty-five-year-old white woman. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, straight up interesting-looking fellow here, and his super light voice telling you, "You got to go kill the starfighters." Yeah. Um, Go now. I watched a little video of it. I just, I, it's the most bizarre. It's like Uncanny Valley. Like something's wrong. Like it just feels weird having Michael Jackson telling you how to fly your fighter jet. Yeah. Um, but someone who found the footage, and uh, I think you can, well, I've watched the video of it, but. Uh, Man, I guess do, you think it, it, do you think any of those AS1s actually, what, <laughs> if for, for our listeners, it looks like a Star Trek shuttle pod sitting on this pedestal and these two stairs going up to it. I mean, it's it's humongous, like a real size. Like the um, Star Trek uh, episodes where someone dies and they put them in a casket and shoot it off into space? Exactly. It looks like exactly the cas- like space yeah. casket. Yeah. <laughs> that um, is huge. Yeah, apparently it was on a Fuji Film D2 tape titled AS-1M Jackson VER. So he assumed, this guy assumed, that's Michael Jackson. To, yeah, I guess he knew what an AS-1 was, and it's like, I'm buying that. Here's the big old 1980s tape. Wow. Yep, there you go. That is weird. All right. That is weird. News of the weird. That's what I'm telling you, my friend. Here's the next thing I find weird slash offensive. Atari's 50th anniversary box set, which has 10 games, uh, original Atari games that you, by the way, already own that are probably worth 50 cents to a dollar each. Buy them new with a new sticker on them in new boxes. The 10-pack will cost you $999.99. Yeah, limited ridiculous. to just 100 units yeah so that's what, um, this kind of crap that just makes me not want to support anything by atari i mean it, it, it's just it's just this crazy money grab yeah yeah uh, atari and whoever's putting this together let's see um i know limited run was helping out with some of their stuff before i don't know if this is them as well still uh it doesn't look like it really says it 
This might be them doing it themselves at this point because Limited Run probably said, no, we're, we already charged $100 a game before. We're not going to charge $1,000 for a, a pack. Yeah. Anyways, and it's, I mean, so the games are like Adventure, Missile Command, Warlords, Breakout, Crystal, and the basic Atari games that, again, yeah. I got duplicates sitting behind me. So there you go. Yeah. This is fun. The U.S. Marines used Metal Gear Solid's most famous trick to fool a robot. So <laughs> basically, yep. So basically, I guess the Marines were tasked with trying to trick this robot's AI. Uh, they put it in the middle of a big circle on like a uh, uh, out in the middle of a parking lot or something, and said, "Try to get near the robot and touch it without it spotting you." Right? Yeah. And um, two of the Marines chose to put themselves under a box and just scoot in the box towards the robot. Even the in the article here from Time Extension, it even says. That they were, you could hear them giggling the entire time in their box because it was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it worked. They got up and touched the robot. That's so, awesome. There you go. Metal Solid or Metal Gear Solid uh, teaching Marines of the future. <laughs> and here's the last one. I talked about this when it happened uh, at the, towards the end of last year. <clears throat> but if you guys don't know, it intersects two of my favorite hobbies, which are uh, retro video games or re- video games in general and NASCAR. So one of the races last year, there was a playoff race, and there was a cutoff. And this driver was like five positions too far back to make the playoffs. So he decided to pull a uh, Gran Turismo, floor the gas on his NASCAR, smash himself into the wall while flooring the gas, and just rode the wall around at like 100 miles an hour on a track where you have to go like 45 to make this turn, and just slid around the wall around about eight different people and made it into the playoffs. During that time, he was bouncing against this wall. He blacked out. <laughs> oh, jeez! He blacked out wow. for a small portion of it. Came out when he woke up. I mean, it was it was only for a few, few seconds. He heard his team screaming on his on his earphones. He said, "Did we do it? What the heck happened?" And they're like, "Yeah, you're in the playoffs, buddy." Um, nonetheless, it counted. He was in the playoffs. He continued on. Um, NASCAR didn't know what to do about it, but at this point, they finally agreed. Uh, that rule is now, there's now a rule that, or they pointed to a series of rules that says we will now enforce those rules, which show that this is a danger to himself and the other players and uh, racers, and it will no longer be allowed moving forward. So no more video game wall riding NASCAR moves. From, yeah, I do that so much in racing games. It's not even funny. <laughs> and it works in real life, kind of, if you don't yeah. mind destroying your car and blocking out in the process. Yeah. Wow. That is the news of the weird, Eric. Awesome. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> and I put this one, I'm, ho- I'm hoping you can talk more about this than I can, but I'll put this in there for you because I've never played this game, but I know you have. Award-winning co-op adventure It Takes Two surpasses 10 million in sales. That's right, it does. That's a great game. So this game is huge. So you might want to talk about that. I mean, that's the news is that it, it surpassed 10 million sales. Um, I don't know much about it, but um, from what I understand, it's a pretty fun game if you have too, right? Yeah, and I, th- I, mean, I guess that's the for me that's the main thing here. It's a game. Not only was it a good game, but it was a game that you had to play two player couch co op. There's hardly any games that let you play two player couch co op anymore. Nonetheless, a game based around it. it. Yeah. Um, so I played it with my daughter. Great game. Had a blast with it, and uh, it is deserving of making a lot of money. Cool. So yeah. So uh, that was it. I just I'm excited. I remember you yeah. talking about it on the show, 
and that you enjoyed it. But um, it's going to be harder for me to find a two, a, a player two these days around my house because everyone's busy doing their own thing. So. Eric, I'm going to come over every Tuesday and we're going to put two hours into it. <laughs> I already know where great. all this stuff is. Um, Eric, our fa- one of our favorite systems, as we just talked about, the Turbo Graphics, otherwise known as the PC Engine. They recently found a new, uh, for, uh, they found a hard copy of a canceled PC Engine shoot 'em up called Dino Force. Ooh, nice! It should have been released thirty years ago. Was not released, and uh, not only is it a a new Turbo Graphics slash PC Engine game that we hadn't seen yet, but of course it is a shmup, which the system is known for just being amazing at shmups. Very excited about it, and uh, here we go. So the it's original. Complete. It is complete. The original designer, Tokuhisa Tajima, sorry, uh, had kept the ROM. Uh, the, a French collector named Alex Semimondo and a group of developers and artists at PCE Works, which recreates um, physical copies of games. That's cool. Yeah. Provided some fixes and some rebalancing. And now you can play the game for yourself. Uh, here's the best part. You can download the ROM here at this link, so check our show notes now for free, or you can buy it for from PCE Works and buy an actual Hue card version for your PC engine. Wow. Dino Force. I'm going to check that out. I am totally going to play this. Uh, I haven't watched any video yet, so here it is. So it's kind of an R-type style shmup, I would say. Yep. Um, and if I had to... I'm just kind of looking at the way that shot works. If I had to compare to other uh, PC Engine uh, TurboGrafx shmups, I would say this is probably on the lower quality end of the scale. I'll be completely honest, just looking at it briefly here. But who knows? I'm not physically playing it right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Very a little turned off by that multicolor shot, I guess, the coming out. Like it's like yeah, a rainbow. Almost, yeah, it doesn't. It, it looks a little simpler than most games I'm used to seeing on the on the triple graphics. But nonetheless, it's a brand new game. Yeah, I don't, I'd want to try it before I say too much about it. I mean, it could get a lot better. So, cool. Absolutely. Um, I also wanted to point out because we haven't talked about it in a little while, but the Playdate is still getting some love, including some of the new games they just released. Came out one of the one of the bundles or one of the uh, what are, modern games they just came out with includes an incredible looking sh- shoot 'em up. Kind of in the uh, vein of like a Dodon Pachi. Look at this. Oh, wow. All right, let me do Look this one Look at the here. graphics on that thing. So they're all black and white because everything on the uh, plate is black and white. I'm not sure how this thing uses the uh, the crank because most of these games you have to use the crank for something. What's on the plate eight, which is a little yellow handheld with a black and white screen coming out with all original games and uh, has a big old crank on the side. Like you would crank up a, I don't know, what do you crank up anymore? nothing i don't know like one of those rechargeable flashlights yeah um so but anyways that i mean i haven't looked for a while if these things are available now i think whether they were like 130 bucks but if they were just available like i ordered one right now i'd be here in a couple days i might i might jump for one now yeah yeah i mean if the price is right on this i would definitely jump in we'll have to look into that yep that'd be a news article for Maybe a catching up for next time. Yep. Cool. So the, my next one here, uh, and I, I have to admit, I haven't looked at this game. I don't think it's out yet, but it's coming soon. It's another Pico 8 game called Astra and the New Constellation. Um, the thing I found about this game is exactly what I was saying in the last segment was 
how these games are getting more and more sophisticated. Um, te- check out the graphics on this game. It looks almost like a, like your character almost looks like Rystar. Yeah, it, you know what it reminds me of is uh, Mr. Gimmick. Remember played yeah, Mr. Yeah, Gimmick? yeah, exactly. Remember that NES game, Mr. Gimmick? Um, it moves quick, too. It moves very quick, and you're collecting these stars, and you're, you're, I think you collect them, and then you can build stuff with them or something, but look how fast that is. It's a platforming game, but you're a star with hands, so you're kind of a cartoony star, almost like a... Like Rystar? <laughs> yeah, it's like, like Rystar, exactly. It really is. Um, but look how fast the platforming is on this for a Pico 8 game. Uh, and, but I would kind of call it a, maybe a platformer. It looks like you're going to die a lot. Yes, exactly. But this comes out on March 1st, so not too long to wait on that. But I think that looks almost like a, it, it's almost getting to the point with Pico 8 now, like you're thinking these guys should really start charging for these games. I mean, I don't want them to, but like some of them do, actually. Some of them some of them had and this one, I think, might because they said it's going to release on the first. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if this one does have a, a, a few bucks attached yeah, to it. Most of them release to the uh, to the little market that's in you know the Pico Eight, the Splore. Most of them, yes. Yep. Um, sure. So I don't know. I don't. It may not cost anything, but anyway, we'll find out on March first. But that game looks very, very slick. Probably one of the better games I've ever seen on Pico Eight. I mean, that looks fantastic. It really does look good. I'd pay a few bucks for it if that's what they do. Oh, me too. Yeah. Uh, Evercade, Evercade came out with some new uh, cart announcements, So, and they share their 2023 roadmap. So let's dig into what the Evercade has. By the way, they just uh, finally released Indie Heroes Collection 2, which I am hoping to get. Okay. Uh, that's right up my alley, right? All those new indie games on old consoles. Well, they put them on a cart and let me buy them. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, they have their some new releases they want to talk about. So... Really quick, if you take a peek right here, you'll see that in April, they're going to release the C64 Collection 2. So that's the second Commodore 64 Collection. That's pretty, that's exciting. I, I haven't even gotten Collection 1 yet. I don't, is it available? Has it, has it been yeah. available? I it's have been available, me. right? Yeah. Oh, you have it? I have it. Okay. Um, they haven't talked about May, July, September, November, or December yet, but in February 2024, they're coming out with Indie Heroes Collection 3, so that's a year away. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's cool that once a year, it sounds like they're going to grab all the indie games from the previous year and put them together. So I'm that's I'm looking forward to that. Also, uh, this April, they're coming out with Toplin Collection 2. Uh, so another one of my favorite carts from Toplin. But let's take a really quick look at the C64 Collection. It's going to have World Games, California Games, Impossible Mission 2. Hmm. <laughs> Pit Stop 2, Sword of Fargle. Mm-hmm. That's good. Street Sports Basketball. Yep. Iridium. Cybernoid. Nebulous. Yep. Nebulous Grey. Fire Lord. Ooh. Slayer. Zamzara. Insect, insects in Space. And Mission Impossible. Never heard of that. I wonder if that's a newer game. I've never heard of Mission Impossible Bubble. I am very curious about that one. Did they talk about that? <laughs> uh, let's see. Does it say anything? Nope. It's showing some of the Toplin stuff here. Yeah. What is Mission Impossible Bubble? Oh, man. I want to know. They're talking about the Toplin one here. The Toplin one's going to have Fire Shark, which has Tate mode. Mm-hmm. Twin Cobra, which has Tate mode. Twin Hawk, which has Tate mode. Hellfire. Rally Bike, Tate Mode. 
Wardner, I've never heard of that, and Demon's World. Hmm. Um, ooh, I did not realize this, but apparently in some less welcome news, news Blaze has confirmed that the Pico Interactive Collection 1 is joining the legacy collection of carts and is no longer in active production. Oh, wow. So they're officially, I didn't realize they have officially been legacizing, <laughs> legacizing games. Yeah. But apparently so they if have. If you don't have them, it's, it's going to be rough to find them. Anyways, I'm excited about two of those carts very much so. Yeah. Um, and then last bit of news, I just want to bring this up. So if you enjoyed playing the modern retro it inspired pinball game Demon's Tilt, yeah. Which a lot of us did. Yes. There is a new successor to that game coming out called Xeno Tilt, which is hilarious because they went from Demon's Tilt, like Demon's Crush, you know, on the PC engine, Demon's yeah. Crush. And, yep. then, and the PC engine, that same company made Alien Crush, and now we're going to do Xeno Tilt. So <laughs> we got our Demon-inspired game, and now we're going to have our Alien-inspired game. Um, but you'll see some of their similar-looking but crazy exciting dark space horror pinball action going on here. I enjoyed playing a little bit of Demon Tilt. Yeah. But I never figured out there's so much going on on that table that I that I didn't know what I was shooting for. I never took the time to learn. I think there's so much I don't know. I, there's so much that I don't can't focus on any of it and I wasn't able to love it as much as I think a lot of people have. I need to go back and give it another shot. So you have Demon's Tilt? Yeah, I have it on the Switch. On the Switch, okay, okay. Yep. I thought yeah. you played it, you played it, didn't you? No, I don't think I've ever played it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you did. I remember, I know Tim loved it. I thought you loved it as well, but um, yeah. I don't was, remember ever playing that. Came out in 2019. Here's Demon's Tilt. Um, oh, we're going to watch a random video of a girl wearing little slippers next to a pool. Apparently, it's like a <laughs> athlete's foot commercial or something. I don't know. Eh, anyways, internet's not going to let me do it. But that is coming out. And that is the news. Yeah. Um, which means we need to go ahead and let Eric take over the show, along with 12 of his closest friends, when we hear what Eric has to say to our Patreon supporters with some questions and just a bunch of hanging out and drinking tea and beer. This is Eric, and for our 100th episode, I decided to get some of our Patreon subscribers together and do a quick question segment where we discuss uh, the first console we ever bought after we moved out with our own money and our favorite game or good game on that system. Uh, we I had a blast doing this, and I hope that we can do it uh, possibly several times this year, uh, as le- kind of like a get-together. I think that would be a blast. Everything went really well with the recording. We did have a few minor audio glitches with our dear friend Pajaco. Uh, it was only for a few minutes. It looked like his mic was clipping on his side. So there wasn't much I could do in editing, but uh, it's all understandable and I think it came out fine. 
enjoy the rest of the segment and uh, thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. So this is Pixel Guiden, of course. Me and Tim are here as the hosts for the show today. We are celebrating our 100th episode coming up here in February, the month of lovers. I might, I'm just going to put that out there. Indeed. The month of lovers. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about, speaking of love, our first console. It's going to be a quick question episode first. And we're going to talk about the first console or computer that we bought on our own after we moved out. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We talk about the beer or, or beverage we're drinking. Uh, we're going to rate it zero out of a hundred episodes. And we're going to then say a good game on that system. doesn't have to be your favorite, but a good game that you have good memories of on that particular system. So I want to say hello to everybody. Hello. And remember when we sign off, we're going to do a, we got, we got to do the show sign off. So if you got to leave early, you got to, you got to say it. Um, if you know what that is, if you've listened to our show, and there might be some interlopers in here who've never heard the show that are just trolling us. Never yeah, know. or just never make it to the end of the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Tim, I didn't have to. Yeah, there's an end to the show? I didn't know there was an end to it. <laughs> Sometimes there feels like there isn't. Eric, um, you are being remiss here. You haven't introduced all of our wonderful people. Go ahead, Tim. Why don't you do that? Okay. So first off... Uh, I'm starting as I'm looking on uh, my screen. So I'm going to go from the top left. We have the one, the only, Mr. 48K Ram, Josh Malone. Good evening. <laughs> How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing well. It's glad to be here with you all. Good, good. And uh, next up, we have Adam. And Adam is from Com Commodore Chronicles. How are you doing? Doing well. How about yourselves? I am very good. Excellent. Next up, we have Dan the Man Heavey. <laughs> Hello. Glad to be here for the 100th. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. And over on my far left, we have Jason. How are you, Jason? I'm very good. Ex uh, excited to uh, do the show with you guys, and congratulations on 100 episodes. Thank you very much, and thank you for being with us. And uh, this man needs no introduction at all, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. It's Frank from Retro Rewind. This is fantastic. I actually get to participate in something uh, <laughs> instead of working away in a corner. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for everything you do for the show. It's a real pleasure to have you here, Frank. And, uh, and next up, we have Daniel James. Thanks, guys. Nice to be here this afternoon. And last but not least at the moment, uh, we have Paul, which is Pajaco6502. How are you doing, hello, Paul? Oh, sorry, God, I talked over you again. Sorry, guys. Hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, great to be here. I'm, uh, I think I've been listening from about episode 50-ish, I think, maybe a bit longer. But it's really good to be here. Thank you. It's a pleasure having you. Okay, Eric, let's take it away. I was going to say you, you came in at the right time because I was, I, I went back and was listening to old shows and like one through eight were really bad. Don't even listen to those. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty common when I joined fine. is fine. Yeah. 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 Exactly. When Tim joined is when we, we started hitting our stride. Um, so yeah. So we're going to start today. We're going to talk about the console and I'm going to start with uh, the guys from. England, I think so. Cause it's getting late in the day there. So Tim, let's start with you. You'll be a prime example. 
what's going on here. So, all right, okay. Tell us well, what beer you're I drinking. Didn't, I didn't think you were. I didn't think you were going to do well for the want of a better word. Introduce me anyway. So I am drinking uh, one I picked up from a fine supermarket over here in the UK, um, and this is a Vault City, and it is a raspberry, strawberry, coconut ripple. It's a uh, 6% volume and it is a modern sour beer and uh, it's quite heavy on the coconut. I must say um, mm. it's raspberry to start off with and then kind of like just fades into coconut. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, it's there. It's, it's a good, it's a good beer and it's going down well. So what would you rate that zero out of a hundred episodes? Um, I'm probably going to go with a 68. 60. Oh, well, all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. So what was that first computer console you bought on your own? So when I moved out, I kind of, uh, I would say probably the most prominent point of me moving out and moving in would have been when I bought my own house. Um, and for ages and ages, I couldn't afford to buy any new stuff. I was hankering and this will give you kind of a, an idea of the timeline i was hankering on for the sony playstation which had not long come out and i was working in uh what we call sort of like a, a distribution place so we used to sell um amiga hardware uh, pc stuff we used to import pc stuff from the states all that sort of stuff um and we were selling playstation peripherals and i used to uh, sell into independent retailers. So game shops and all that sort of thing. Um, and because I couldn't afford a brand new one, I was just putting out the feelers for anyone that got a, a, a second user PlayStation come in. Um, and then one, one of the guys that I used to deal with, he came through for me. So I got, uh, managed to get a Sony PlayStation, um, all boxed and nice. And, uh, yeah. So that's the one for me. If I, we're talking about sort of like, first console when i properly moved out and bought my own place was eventually a sony playstation perfect now what was, what's a good game or one of your favorite games on that system and if you don't say twisted metal 2 then you're wrong <laughs> i'm not going to say cool. twisted metal 2 because oh, okay. the main reason why i wanted the sony playstation at the time and really there was only one game to have for the playstation on launch which was ridge racer ridge racer yeah yeah and that that's, was a it. that's all I wanted to play and playing Galaxians at the very beginning of Ridge Racer when it's loaded. You never get enough time on that. <laughs> no. Well, that's a good pick. I actually picked up Ridge Racer not that long ago. It's like two discs, isn't it? Um, at least mine is. No, Mine's in a two disc. So. Yeah. That's the Rave Racer was two disc, wasn't it? Hmm. Later one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I might be wrong. Unless it's different in the States, I don't know. But there was a, the box was like a two disc box, um, but it only had one disc, I think. You're thinking Gran Turismo? Mm, might have been Adam. No, I don't, I, um, not sure. No, I'm saying maybe like Eric was thinking Gran Turismo. Maybe. Oh, could have been. Could have been. Yeah, I'd have to run downstairs. I have it in the cabinet downstairs, but it's not important anyway. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Race was a great one, though. That's a great pick. Yeah. All right. That's well, me. let's keep moving on. Pajaco. 6502, Paul, you're next. You're up next. So tell us, the first, what, what are you drinking? Anything? Oh, this is going to be a big disappointment for everyone. That's um, all right. I'm actually drinking chamomile and lavender tea because it's the evening for me. So, And it is a yeah. school night. So, yeah. Fair well, enough. Out of all the teas that you drink. 
oh, which so, I I don't I don't drink teas by the way because it tastes like dirty water to me. I don't yeah, drink tea. Tim, Tim knows that because I had tea before him. I was like, tea is like dirty water. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but out of all the teas you drink, there rate that zero out of a hundred. Oh, see, I, I am actually burning through a bunch of different teas I bought and are just left in the cupboard. And my wife's been whinging that the cupboard's full of tea boxes. So this particular one, not great. I'm gonna I'm gonna rate this like thirty out of a hundred episodes. Um, wow, it it tastes like laundry basically that's because a- of the lavender. <laughs> it's not great. Dirty water. Yeah. Wow, thirty. Dirty that's water, a turd. Exactly. Yeah, it's not great. But I can't be bothered. I, I can't be bring myself to just throw them away because I'm that kind of guy. I don't like wasting stuff. Right. So it's just like I'd sooner suffer. But yeah, <laughs> it's so that's so quintessentially British, right there. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like me, I, I don't throw anything away. As you can clearly see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. So what's your favorite? What 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 console fits the bill? Uh, so for me, it's the same as Tim. So. Good. Okay. I I graduated university in 1998, and with my first pay packet, um, weirdly, I didn't get taxed as much because I was part way into the tax year, having not earned anything, being a dirty student for so long. So I got a load of money and thought, "Woo, I'm rich!" So I went out and I bought a PlayStation One and a bunch of games, um, thinking this was the high life for me. And then next month, the tax man took their cut, and I was very disappointed. But I had my PlayStation, so yeah. That was cool. Had it chipped by a friend at work, which is good, but I very rarely got gold discs. But uh, the game I bought with it, and one of the reasons I bought the PlayStation, was a game called Cooler World, which I think in the US was called Rollaway. Um, and it's basically a weird 3D puzzle game where you, you roll a beach ball around a 3D maze, and it starts off pretty straightforward. And you kind of roll forwards, and it's left to right, and then couple of levels in the whole thing starts rotating and the worlds rotate and you can kind of jump off bits and jump over and you can peer and it's really like uh quite a deep puzzle game and i played that for hours and hours so yeah i've never heard of that has anyone else heard of that game Mm -mm. yeah frank you have frank has i haven't yeah yeah it sounds interesting i I gotta check that out because uh i I, the sound of the when you first started saying it it sounded a little bit like a katamari damacy which was on PS2, which I really yeah. liked. Um, but it's very similar. Is it yeah. interesting? Because I I love that game. I, that's a fantastic one. Well, it does have timers though, so I don't know if it's used. Nail in the coffin. <laughs> yep. Boned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. Well, do you? Let me ask you this question. Do you remember where you got your PlayStation? Like where you bought it? Yeah, it would have been Camberley High Street because I lived in Camberley when I when I moved away from university. That's in Surrey. Um, funnily enough, near where I live now, but there's a long story behind that. Um, yeah, I it would have been either Game or Electronics Boutique, I think, back then. I can't remember which one. I know they got bought, oh. Game bought Electronics Boutique and they all blended to one. But I'm yeah, it would have probably been EB. I think that was a bit yeah. before Game, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we had Electronics Boutiques here. For mm-hmm. a while, yeah. Cool. Well, that's a good pick. I'm gonna have to check that game out. What was the name of that game again? Uh, Cooler World or Roll Away. Um, okay, I'll have to check that out. That sounds cool. That's yeah. right up my alley too. I mean, I'll I'll find some cheat to take away the timers. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna go left to right here so I can keep track of everybody. So we're gonna start. Go with Josh. Josh, you ready to tell a story? Well, first, tell me I how am- you tell me how that tea is going. 
This tea. Yeah, so I, I actually switched it up on you uh, and okay. made switched over to uh, uh, Celestial Seasonings uh, orange, uh, mandarin orange tea. Mandarin just, orange just tea. It's quite good. It's, it's, it's mandarin orange spice. It's one of my favorite teas uh, as far as herbal teas go. I'm and no whiskey, in, no whiskey in there, huh? Mm. No? Nope. Not the slightest bit. <laughs> I, right. I usually, I, I'm, I'm not a coffee drinker, not a beer drinker. Um, right. one, of, one of my British friends once described co- uh, coffee as, it tastes like someone poured hot water in the ashtray. So <laughs> I, I, can, I can get behind that, but definitely. He's drinking Nescafe. <laughs> yeah, definitely a good guy. <laughs> I do drink a lot of coffee. I would, I would give this a pretty good rating. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out of 100 episodes. I'm going to give it a, a nice 79. It's it's the year of the Atari 400. Yeah. Um, I'm going to rate it. Yeah. Perfect. 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 Um, so what? tell us a story about that console. That console. That the So the console i'm going with even though i didn't actually buy it it was a trade okay is um I've, I've actually got it got it right here this is my uh dreamcast nice so uh i out of in college i was big into unix stuff and i'd collected a bunch of uh, unix hardware over the years and uh when i finally you know dropped out of college got myself my first sysadmin job oh actually it wasn't my first sysadmin job it was my second sysadmin job um my boss there was also in into uh, sort of retro hardware and old Unix stuff too, and I wound up trading him an, an NCD X terminal for this Dreamcast right here. So, if any of you ever ever used a network computing device's NCD X terminal, that was that was the trade here, um, and it, it came with a whole bunch of games. So, I just fished it out right here before the show. I, I haven't used this thing in forever. And got out my VMUs, got my controller right here. And the game, I realized that I spent the most time on this. Like, I loved, you know, uh, Jet Grind Radio, yes. all that all that sort of stuff. But the game I spent all my time on was uh, this one, Evolution, The World of Sacred Device. Um, apparently, this came out in 1999. It's um, by Ubisoft. And uh, the case that I have here doesn't have the manual. It's, it's just got the, the 1299 used price sticker on it here and the, and the back paper. Uh, but this is kind of a JRPG actually describes itself right here as the first RPG for Sega Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I opened up my, my VMUs here and uh, I realized that I've got, I've still got my save games on this card. And I think I had like 16 hours on this save at the time so uh yeah it just like like drops right in there i've even got like a like a game on pause here in this thing so i really need to get back to it but i played a ton of this game i really liked it it's, it's a like semi dungeon crawling rpg with an overworld and then the underworld dungeons it's it, it, i really enjoyed it that looks awesome i i, I actually really like the rpg offerings that are on the dreamcast there's a lot of uh kind of gems in there um but that one actually looks pretty decent. It's got a nice 3D view on it. I don't think I've ever heard of that game, though. I've never heard anyone talk about this game. Um, I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you what how it was reviewed by critics at the time or what people really thought of it. All I know is I quite enjoyed it. Well, that one's growing in value. And I'm, I'm kind of like sitting pretty because I've never played it because 
my copy is still sealed. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so I got a brand new copy because that was when I used to sell the Dreamcast games in my shop. So I've got a whole bunch of games that I used to sell that were on sale in the shop. And this one never made it to being opened. Um, so, yeah, I've still got it now and it's still got my my price tag that I put on there that I used to put out on the shop. Of it. <laughs> no, that's now, great. That's great. Now, Josh, I'm not going to call you out if you are indeed a dirty pirate. But did you know at the time that you could just burn games for the Dreamcast? And did you? Oh, Statute absolutely. Okay. Oh, I, I absolutely did know because um, my boss had a folder like this thick full of burned games for for his Dreamcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to, to date, I have burned maybe like three games for this machine. I don't. I'm not a big console gamer, right? This this thing has sat in a box for a long time. You can you can actually kind of see if I go back to the bench camera. It's it's fairly yellowed, like like a lot of Dreamcasts have gotten. Um, it's, I'm, I don't know. I really need to get more into this. I, I, I hope one day to put a, an ODE into it and, and start to really check out the, the Dreamcast library. Cause I know there's a lot of good games on it, but I was pretty content with what I had at the time when I, when I got it from the guy, it came with a pretty decent stack of games and they were all the ones that you would, that you would want to have with the Dreamcast anyway. It was, it was Shenmue. It was, um, Jet Grind Radio. Um, what was that? That other fighting game, Power Stone. Which one? Power Stone. Power Stone was um, is amazing. But you're, are you talking about 3D, like almost like Street Fighter, but a 3D one? Yeah, yeah. Virtual uh, Fighter. Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur. Soul Calibur. That's yeah. Soul. Yeah. 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 It, it, Soul it came with like most of the good parts of the library at the time, so I yeah. was I was pretty content with that. Oh, man, um, that nowadays, cool. I, I've I've burned a few to check out. I think I checked out a couple. Like maybe you guys had mentioned it on the podcast, and, and I went to burn them. My burning rig's not not set up very well, so yeah. But the dream really the, the most thing I've I've burned on this thing is is demos. You know, I'm big into the demo scene. Yeah. There are Dreamcast demos that I have run on this on this thing, and that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah, there's a game that never came out that I've talked about a couple of times on the show. Never came out because 9/11 happened. So they never released it, but it's a game called Propeller Arena. And it's a shame because it is one of my favorite games on Dreamcast. It is, you're flying a plane and you are kind of dogfighting with other uh, other players, but you, you can't loop and stuff, but it's a 3D, it's completely 3D and you're flying in between buildings down a city. So of course, you know, you could crash into buildings. So that, it, that's why they kind of pull the plug on that. But yeah, it's completely how that wouldn't have gone over well. Right. But it's completely finished, and you can just go. You can find it on the internet and download it. It's called Propeller Arena. Wonderful game. It's it's really great. So, might want to check that one out. Um, all right. So, Adam, you're up next. So what are you drinking? Drink, I am drinking a local brewery's. This is called Bee Nectar. Is the company, and mm-hmm. it's Key Lime Cream Delight. It is a. It is a mead. Oh yeah. And uh, it was it was Cody that kind of keyed me off to mead because I I can't handle the hops I I get I like swell up oh um and so this place is local about an hour from me and my wife and I checked it out and I've been hooked ever since wow so it's you, an ex, you, it's an expensive you, habit though 
<laughs> yeah, I, I never, I couldn't acquire a taste for mead. I mean, it's okay. It, it doesn't, it, I'm not revolted by it, but I can't say I'd sit back and enjoy it. Like now back. I, I have had multiple varieties of their stuff and okay. it is like hit or miss. Yeah. Theirs seems to be unique from the other ones that I've had. We have one that's about a half hour away from us that does mead and I don't like it half as much. So I'd give this probably like a 78 out of 100. That's pretty good. It, it does have kind of a, a coin. It does have a little, it's a little too sweet, but uh, it's still nice and flavorful. All right. Tell us a story about a console or a computer. So I got married in August of 2005. And the right after Christmas, I picked up an Xbox 360. Um, and yeah, I had that same system for about 10 years and then I killed it. And then I picked up another one on like a black Friday deal. And the game that I am like, that I keep going back to and is the one that has killed my Xbox multiple times is mass effect. And, um, I remember playing mass effect and being in the middle of a mission and the drive started in the, the processor started to go out on it and it would stop rendering stuff and you would fall through the floor. It was, <laughs> it was, it was some, it's amazing, but I, I really enjoy, um, games that have a storyline. So even on the pod, on any of my podcast episodes, most of my games kind of focus on games that have storylines. Like right now I'm doing, Blade Runner on the PC, but Mass Effect like combines the things that I love the most. I'm like huge into to sci-fi and I love kind of like an adventure where you kind of have the ability to to freely go wherever you want to. And Mass Effect was like the first time that all of that was put into one package. And I'm probably the youngest guy here too, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I'm only 18. I'm only 18. (laughs) Yeah, I remember. I I, I think I did. Didn't I do a segment on the Xbox 360? I can't even remember anymore. We've done so many episodes now, but I remember it's the console to me that I had the longest that was relevant the whole time I had it. Yeah. That thing came out when my son was born. And I remember. I mean, he, my son's 18 now and he's going off to college. And I remember when my son was born, I got my Xbox 360 and that was like this video game console that was relevant in our house for a dozen years, years, 15 years, something Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, and we were still buying games for it and still playing it. And I had four controllers. We were playing like four player bomber man on that thing. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing console. Probably the one I'll remember the most in my entire lifetime. Yeah, I agree. But that, so that, I, I don't know. I can't say enough about the Xbox 360. And to me, to date, the controller was probably the best controller ever on any console. I agree. Yeah. I know there's going to be some PlayStation people that are going to get on me about that. But I yeah, like the, I mean, I like the accesses on separate. <laughs> separate. Josh, no, I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to slap you right there, Josh. That thing will give your hand like you will be permanently like this. <laughs> If you, you play that more than claw. two hours, your hands are going to be like class, this. The Dreamcast claw. I bet yeah, you exactly. I take the Jaguar controller over the Dreamcast controller. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? 
Yeah. No one takes the Jaguar. I will say I dig the VMU though, Josh. I dig the VMU. I wish something like that would come back, but um, yeah, yeah, that the, the VMU that goes beep every time you turn your console on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got a really cool one of those upstairs. A friend of mine gave it to me years ago. He was there. he used to work at Sega, and he got a bunch of promotional stuff. It's a Godzilla themed VMU from that awful movie that came out. So it's a green one just with the Godzilla badge on it. So cool, awesome. All right, get this so, thing trucking along. Yeah, yeah, the little green oh, one. Nice. That's exactly it, I think. Yeah, is that the same one? I think so. Might be. Yeah, it, it's it's not Godzilla, but it's oh, just okay. the green the green shell. But yeah, yeah they came in a bunch green. of funky colors. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're gonna move right along. All right, Dan, what do you got for us? Oh, we start in beer. We start in computer. Oh wait, Which wait, Dan? hold on. Which Dan? <laughs> yeah, which Dan? Yeah, exactly. Dan. <laughs> Dan Heavey is next in my line. And plus, hey, Dan James, I, I lost your video a while back. Does everybody see Dan or no? No. no, no. It's like the video's off. Yeah, he, your video's off. Weird. Which I isn't a big weird. deal, but um, yeah, Dan Heavey's next in my line. So let's go with Dan Heavey so I can keep this in order. Yeah, just um, I'm commonly known as Paradroid Online, just in case anybody Paradroid, exactly. figures out who I am. Um, so... My drink today is kind of my favorite beer at the moment, and it's Zwickle. And it's also a local brewery, local to St. Louis. Uh, it's a Bavarian-style lager. Mm-hmm. Um, current favorite. Um, I'd have to rate it about 82 out of 100 episodes. You know? Oh, that's pretty high. High yeah, praise. It's, it's, yeah. it's quite <laughs> you good. drink it warm? Preferably not. Okay. <laughs> but um, I guess I could. <laughs> Anything's possible. Yeah. So um, after three or four beers, I don't think it matters. No. Yeah, it matters much less. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So um, my first system, it kind of depends. So the first system was not even really that close to when I moved out, the one I actually paid for. Um, but I think I will go with the actual first one that I did pay for, and it was a TI-99 4A. And sort of the backstory on it is I was uh, starting community college in uh, for electronics engineering. And as part of that, you have to take a technical computer programming class. And we were all in class one day, and it was like, you know, late 1982, probably maybe early 83. And the instructor said, hey, um, if any of you guys want a computer for your house, they're closing out all the TIs right now. So you can probably get one really cheap. <clears throat> and so it turned out that they were 25 bucks. Oh, with, that's a good deal. And when I got there, it was with a $50 rebate. What? <laughs> Which, and this was, okay, so this was Kmart. They did not, of course, they didn't honor the $50 rebate, but it's still, I still have the box and it still has the $50 rebate sticker on it. Yeah, I was so going to say, that's I, some I strange, like to show that off. That's I'll never some get weird that St. Box. Louis math there. So $25 <laughs> and a $50 rebate. That's, uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's some odd math there. <laughs> there, there was yeah, a lot I mean, of odd math around the night. I was kind of a poor student True. at the time. I didn't, you know, I, I had a job, but it was very like minimum wage. And, uh, but of, co- of course I went out there and then I basically had to fight one of the managers for the last one in the store. And, uh, I wound up getting it. 
Um, and I still have it. It's still my main TI-99 4A. Um, it was kind of a mixed bag at the time because since it was closing out, it was really kind of hard to get stuff for it right after that. And so you couldn't just walk into a store as a general rule and buy a lot of stuff for it. You could get a few things like there were, you could go, I think it was, uh, it wasn't even Toys R Us at the time. I think it was like toy chest or something. It was like a predecessor to Toys R Us. Um, and I, I bought almost everything I could for it. Good, bad, or different, you know, and it, um, everything was on close at most of the time. So it was pretty cheap. Um, my favorite game at the time was Parsec because that's mm-hmm. what I had always played in the store and it supports the speech synth, which I also got along with it. Um, so that was pretty great. I still play Parsec occasionally. It's, it's still a great game. Um, yeah. There's a game that I learned about much later called Barrage. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. Not played that one. No. It is a great game. It is like Missile Command, but in my opinion, better. And I thought it was a modern game that just came out for the system, but it turns out the copyright at the bottom of the screen is actually 1983. So apparently it was around back then. It just was not, you know, out in the open very much. So look for that um, barrage. So was that Um, all cartridge stuff that you got on there? Everything that I got on it back then was cartridge or tape because there was no way I was getting that, uh, massive uh if you what's called the, the expansion system yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah right like six foot table worth of five. stuff all connected together was that like the peb was that what it was called yeah PEB? yeah, yeah. that's why yeah that's why they call the little expansion now the nano peb because it's like a yeah. minor uh small version that sort of tries to act like that that but, expansion um, chassis was just crazy how big that thing yeah i have an amiga 2000 and it dwarfs the amiga 2000 yeah so yeah, um, so I've expanded it a lot, mostly in recent years. Like within the last ten years, I put. I think one of the first things I put in it was an F18A um, video upgrade. It's like a drop-in FPGA thing for the video chip, and gives you a VGA out port. And the nice thing about it is it's like a hundred percent compatible with all the software. It it just works. That's the same but one if you, you use on a ColecoVision, right? It's the same. I'm pretty sure it's the same chip. Yeah. It is exactly the yeah. same thing. Yeah. And there's supposed to be a later version that supports HDMI, but I think what I heard was they got into trouble with the HDMI consortium or whatever that is, and they couldn't get that worked out. And that's why, why that was delayed for years and years. And I think they've just started releasing the original F18A again, just like within the last couple of months. I just saw them up. Um I got a hold of a nanopeb eventually, and that kind of self-destructed after about a year and a half. I, I don't know what happened to that thing. I still have it, but it doesn't work properly. But about the same time that happened, they came out with the tippy, which is that uh, thing that plugs into the side into a 32K expansion. And basically it does everything with a Raspberry Pi as a lot of things do nowadays and uh, gives you networking, disc controller, uh, floppy emulation, which I, I don't really use that aspect of it too much, but it, it gives you a whole bunch of stuff. Um, let's see what else I got for it. Did you have one of those tippies, Eric? Or I know you mentioned it at some stage. I, 
everything Dan Paradroid here does online, I copy him. So <laughs> I have the F-18A. I have the Nanopeb. I have the Tippy. I have uh, the everything I see. What did you say? The final G-ROM. Do you have that? That's that's no, the cartridge. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes, of course I have that. Yeah, so the that's cartridge. Like, that's probably what I use the most. Yeah. Yeah. Once you put that in the cartridge for you've got everything. Yeah. Yep. And uh, if you've got that in a speech synthesizer, really, that's all you need. Right. The the um, Tippy is nice because it has networking. So I I with the F18A, there was that terminal program that you could use with mm-hmm. 80 columns, so you could connect to BBSs and 80 columns on your TI and. That's pretty sweet. But um, for, as far as games, you're right. The final Grom cartridge and the speech synthesizer, that's pretty much what my TI is set up to do right now. And it works great. And there were a lot of things. You know, I had a Commodore 64 after that. And there were a lot of things that I did not realize were on the TI-99-4A that I, after learning about their existence on other systems, I went back after the fact and found out that those things also existed on the TI-99 in some form or another. Um I mean, I'm not going to go down the list, but, you know, just stuff like burger time and that sort of thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's ding, that's ding, always ding, been ding, one. Ding, some really cool ports, modern ports for the TI that you see on Atari age that's pretty amazing where people have gone back. And I think I think TI controlled that environment so hard with developers that it just seemed like it really limited anybody being willing them. to yeah, develop really on them. it. Wasn't a, it wasn't a question of the capabilities of the machine. Yeah. Other than the lack of RAM. Yeah. Well, and they came out that weird variant that was – so they came out with multiple versions of the gray console, which is what I have, or the beige console. That's what I have. But one of the variants of it actually limits what cartridges you can run. You can only get licensed cartridges to run, and thank God I don't have that. I forget what the model number of that is. It has a very specific ROM version. You can look on the screen and see what that is. But Is uh, that the gray version? I've seen people state that. Well, so it's some of the gray versions. Yeah. And I'd seen yeah, some it's, people it's, say that was just stainless or the gray, that all the grays had that limitation. So that's not the case. No, I, I have a beige slash gray one, cool. and it does not have that limitation. Cool. I can run now anything way, on it. Yeah. The way you can tell, if you look in the in the expansion slot, if the ground finger's there, if they're silver, you're good. If they're copper, you've got the QI version that only runs Grom. Hmm. Yeah, and I think when you boot it up, it actually shows a revision on the screen that tells you what it is too. And I just don't know what that is off the top of my head. Yeah. No, this, this is the flea market identifying way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a exactly. good point. You, yeah. Cause you're probably not going to plug it up. You know, Sorry, flea market it to run everything or is it just dumb basic? You get what you get. Um, I don't really understand what the question. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's it could be water. modded. Your yeah. your mic is breaking up, Pajak. Yeah, your mic is kind Sorry. of. That's okay. That's no, okay. He I said, I, he I, said I, can I, it be can it be modded to to work as any other of the yeah. TI ninety nine four A's? The uh, the limited one. Yes. Is that, okay. Yeah, I, I think there is a way to fix that. I, nowadays, you can fix almost anything. Of course, I mean, but yeah, I, um, I I got a stainless steel one, and I used that one as my primary one. But I did on Shop Goodwill get like a five dollar beige one and i didn't know at the time it didn't play all the old stuff like it it literally doesn't like if you put in one of the cartridges that's not it just gives you an error message or something and i looked into it but i didn't find any way to modify it but i'm sure there is by now right yeah i don't know that it's worth the trouble at this point but yeah i mean especially like 
we've a lot of us have misters and stuff like that now and you know you can play most of the games on the mister just as well and they work fine yeah but uh yeah but that was my very first you know i 25 bucks and you could almost say i didn't pay for that but well you did <laughs> the first one the first one that i paid for when i moved out like right before i moved out was an amiga 500 brand new out of the store yeah and i could go into a whole thing about that but <laughs> that'll be on a uh, show two our 200th episode yeah um, a huge, of course there's a huge list of games for that but yeah, yeah. that's for another time probably so that yeah that's mine for now cool okay all right jason so you're up next then frank's very good um not drinking anything right now because this, when this is over, I'm headed out for a party to watch whatever football is left on the, on the, the TV. <laughs> but uh, what I had the other night was uh, Rusty Rail Fool's Gold, which is a peanut butter Heffenweizen. That's, uh, I think it's made within a couple hours of my house, and that is excellent. Most of the time you see them, they're like in a porter or something, but this is like a Heffenweizen. It's really good. I give it a ninety. Mm. Nice. That's that is high praise. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Um, so, so for the uninitiated, what's a Heffenweizen? Uh, it's uh, kind of a lighter uh, beer. I don't know. It's a lighter beer that is a wheat beer. If I may right. uh, jump in there, it is a wheat yeah. beer that I like when you put a little lemon slice in it. Yeah. Yeah, the peanut butter one's really good, though. They've had it at a bunch of beer festivals up here, too. Cool. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, the one I bought when I moved out for college. Um, so I went from an Atari to a TI to a Commodore 64, and then I worked all summer, actually, at a beer distributor here in Pennsylvania, and I saved up about twelve hundred bucks, and I bought a four eighty six to go to uh, yeah. to go to college with. And uh, it had like a two hundred and fifty megabyte hard drive, which I thought was like ginormous. <laughs> and uh, it was like the big pizza box ones too, where you put the monitor on on top of it. Um, not the towers. It had a three and a half inch disc drive in it, um, and I think I, I bought that. I think at a place called Sun Electronics uh, here in Pennsylvania, and uh, I ran a lot of WordPerfect on it for through college. Wrote a lot of papers on it. Used Lotus One Two Three back in the day. That's a really? fun game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the games that I had for it, I had uh, Tie Fighter. Yeah. yeah, there we go. That's what I was so, uh, for. Tie Fighter. Yeah, so like, uh, I thought that was great because uh, X Wing had already come out, and you could be the you know the pilot of the X Wings. But Tie Fighter had just came out when I bought it, and uh, that, I thought that was much cooler because you were fighting for the Empire now, and you had to run missions against the Rebels. Um, I, I think yeah. I got through like three or four of them, maybe. Um, but I had a lot of schoolwork, and uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't complete it for sure. I didn't complete. I love it. Tie Fighter and X Wing. Those are both. I, I downloaded those on Steam, like like uh, you know, just a few years ago. 
just so I could revisit those. And they play pretty well on modern systems too. So if you guys ever have the inkling to play those, you can download them and play them, and they're brilliant. Seems like um, Adam's got it there. Adam's got yeah. Tie Fighter. <laughs> Seems did like you get, did, you grab, um, did you ever grab uh, Wing Commander? Uh, I I did not, but my roommate at college had had that, and he had uh, he had like these giant house speakers hooked up to the to the computer. They used to like shake the room. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, that is a great one. Cool. Okay. Did you? Yeah, Jason, were you a dirty pirate on the PC? Because I know when I had my first PC, boy, did I (laughs) I get heavily into that. Yeah. You know, I I didn't pirate the the PC that much. What I really pirated was the Commodore sixty four, which was the computer I had before the PC. (laughs) Same here. I I went from the sixty four to a PC. Mine was a three eighty six. Was my first one, but. Yeah, I, I carried the piracy legacy over from Commodore to the PC. I had a few pirated games, but not that many on the PC. I usually I usually bought them. Um, you know, I think I had uh, yeah uh, Forgotten Realms Unlimited Adventures too for that PC. That was probably like the second game I got for it. I guess there's a thriving community of that. I should look it up. Because you can make your own dungeons and then grind. You have someone grind through them, or someone can make one for you. Right. Cool. All right. So Frank's next, and then we'll get to Dan James. You're last on my list there, Dan. I think because uh, when you logged back in and out, it popped you to the last of the list. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> Frank, so what's going uh, on? What are you drinking? I am drinking. Uh, something from a local brewery called uh, mill street brewery called uh it's just their organic lager this is kind of my go-to the fridge is always stocked with this nice uh, in between various other beers i might pick up this is kind of the uh i will drink this and i've probably been drinking this for four or five straight years uh it's uh what is it 4.7 percent alcohol by volume uh and i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it Let's go with a 75 out of 100. That sounds uh, good. It, there's nothing fancy to it. It's smooth. It's clean. It's a great way to stay hydrated, kids. Exactly. <laughs> a, lager sh- a lager should be just crisp and somewhat That's flavorless. That's yeah. what I think. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Perfect in the summer. It's exactly. perfect in the summer. I have yep. to admit, Frank, I was kind of um, hoping for a Rush, uh, Rush Canadian Ale. A little from well, yeah. I mean, they, they come through all the time. Oh. Uh, and there's another great uh, called Red Racer, which I'm a big fan of. But this is kind of the sits all the time uh in my fridge constantly um first console uh much like jason the first time i moved out was to go to uni i went like about four and a half hours away uh i never really moved back when i was done university kind of started my life so first thing i bought with my own money uh, was a, a genesis sega genesis nice uh, or mega drive for our european friends uh and uh being a canadian kid uh, I bought NHL 94 uh, for it. Good choice. And that sat, yeah, and that sat in the Genesis probably for two years, never being removed. Uh, we like we we after class or after going out on a Friday night at school, there probably about eight people will pile back into our room, 
and we drink all night and play NHL and sometimes get into physical altercations over the game. <laughs> but uh, that's what happened. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then when I was done uni and kind of moved off, uh, I think it was the PlayStation 1 was the first thing I kind of bought, you know, with a real full-time career job uh, was my PS1. Uh, and I, I'm racking my brain as to the first game I got with it. And it was either Final Fantasy or Twisted Metal. I can't remember because those were two uh, games that I frequented quite often, uh, apart from all the computers I had. But with my own money, it was definitely the Genesis, uh, working part-time while in school. Uh, and we played NHL. We still play. Me and my son play NHL. We spent most of Christmas playing NHL 94 on my Genesis. Uh, fantastic game if you're a hockey fan. Did you have the EA four score, the four player adapter? Correct. Yeah, I did. And I still do. And I still do. I still got my original Genesis. That is uh, awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, it led to a lot of, a uh, lot of interesting evening. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So the, the, but maybe about 15 years ago now is when I started my retro revival, like getting retro systems and stuff. And the Genesis was the first machine I grabbed because I didn't have it as a kid and I didn't know anyone that had one either. And I wanted, cause I, I would see all the ads and, and uh, all that stuff. And I knew that like the, um, like the original super Nintendo here, which was my pick was like the competitor to it. And I had the super Nintendo, but I didn't have the Genesis. And that's the very first console I bought in my revival, like about 15 years ago is the Genesis. And I, I modded it and everything like that, but what a machine. I mean, I, I got to explore the libraries. I bought an, um, never drive for it. Not long afterwards and just loaded up every game I could and just loved every minute of it. I think we were all, it was all dictated by our circle of friends, right? I mean, there was right. no internet. And I mean, I remember as a really young kid, my uh, parents got a, a color computer, a Coco two, uh, which is a fantastic machine. None of my friends had Coco twos. They all had 64s. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I just drove my parents nuts for a 64 and ended up selling the cocoa to get a 64. So, I mean, I think it's all, it's a lot of it's geographical, right? Because the, right. although the Super Nintendo fantastic machine where I was, nobody had the Super, everyone had, everyone was a Sega kid, whether it was yeah. the master system first or the Genesis thereafter. Uh, Same I mean, that just, yeah. yeah. Just kind of dictated which way you went. Cause you wanted to board your friends games. You didn't want to be the, right. the one guy with, the system that no one else had, uh, you were kind of screwed at that point. Yeah, or and that's why I got for rental in the shop. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. That's why I got the. That's why I got the Super Nintendo. Is all my friends had the Super Nintendo, and in fact, that was going to be my pick was the Super Nintendo. I'll just get it out of the way now because I think I've talked about this on the show, but we played Super Bomberman two on that thing with the with the multi tap. Um, it was our go to party game whenever we'd have friends over. We would just play that all the time but i didn't even know the genesis existed to be honest back in the day with super nintendo i mean i saw the ads i knew it existed but i didn't have any friends that had it so it wouldn't have been one i bought because i couldn't play the games with people yep dan you have something to say he's using the little hand thing go ahead dan Uh oh thank you i can't hear dan I think you're, are you muted? Yeah, I muted myself. Never mind. Sorry, um, go so ahead. I, I wanted to say that there's a ton. I really wasn't into the Genesis at the time, but I, I went straight into the Amiga, like heavy. And there's a ton of overlap between the Amiga library and the Genesis library. Yeah. Like well, same processor, right? 
Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, right. more than I, I guess it's easy to port stuff and it you yeah, really don't have to, yeah. not like porting to the PC where you have to dither badly and all that kind of stuff. You Why know, everything just want a PC. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I, start a whole I had a PC. I just never made the job. I never got rid of my Amigos. I had them all the way through and I still do. But yeah, I just wanted to get that out there that the Genesis and the Amiga libraries are so similar. Yeah. Yeah. I still, to this day, do not own a machine that runs anything Microsoft makes as an operating system. Never have, never will. Wow. I can't say that. I've got a ton. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've been provided machines from former employers, but never uh, at all. I'm actually running Pop OS right now. Here. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. Well, that brings us to, uh, by the way, use the code PG10 to get 10% off anything from RetroRewind.ca. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, so uh, Dan James, finally. He's, uh, he's Sorry you had to go last here, buddy, but you're going to bring it in strong. That's right. Hang on. And I still don't have video for you, which is okay, but I can't see if you hold up a can or anything. Sorry about is that. Is everyone else not seeing uh, Dan? Yeah, I don't know why I, I closed and reopened the browser. I don't know why I didn't start video again. Yeah, I can see good. myself right. up the corner, but that's all right. I'm getting I'm getting audio, so that's okay. So, what all are you right. drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a, a Weedador 64, which I showed at the beginning from a company called Binary Brewing. They're in Beaverton, Oregon which is yeah. just outside of Portland. They do some pretty cool theme, you know, themed beers, and I'll post a picture of the Canon since you can't see it on the Discord. But uh, they did a pretty cool you know, gray with the rainbow colors and the 64 on the side and weeded door across the top. Just uh, They do some fun beers like that. It's a pretty traditional wheat beer, which most I find to be kind of boring, but this one actually has some, some pretty good flavor. It's, so I'd probably give it a, you know, probably a 75 or an 80. Nice. That's cool. I, I do love the can. I know you can't probably you guys can't see that because I'm sure you guys can't see Dan's video feed either. But the can is is very reminiscent of the Commodore 64. Yeah, so did, I mean, somebody a nice was a job. big fan. Yeah, cool. All right. So what's your console? Uh, really, mine goes in the computer because uh, okay, I had consoles early just because we had like shared Christmas gifts. You know, Atari 2600, um, uh, that kind of era. I was actually thinking about it this morning and. Um, I was chatting with my sister. She tends to be the one that collects all the old stuff that was in the house we grew up in. And uh, the first console uh, was actually a, a Pong, you know, one of those clones called the Wonder Wizard. That was one yeah. of those when they painted it, when they had everything with fake wood grain on it, when that was the popular thing in the 70s. And uh, it was basically one of those just select three different type of tennis games, you know, one player, two player. Um, so we right after that, though, I got right into computers out of Vic 20. Had got in 64s, and then uh, so I never actually have owned any Nintendo products. That's I'm probably rare in that. <laughs> yeah. Never owned a Nintendo console um, or any even any of the handhelds. But uh, so once I moved away to go to college, um, mostly I had friends. I brought all my 64s with me, and I had friends that had um, I had Amigas. And it, it's funny to listen to some of the European podcasts. And they talk about how the Amiga wasn't very popular in the U.S., but it was huge in the Southwest. We had like two or three different users groups in Arizona. Um, and so I met some people through a group called the maze, which is the Amiga Arizona users group. And that was right as the 500 and the two thousands were starting to come out, which I could not afford on a part-time college, you know, part-time working full-time college student. 
And so the first one I bought was uh, an Amiga 1000, which I bought my with first one I bought with my own money. And that was when Commodore was taking the the 1000s in and they were doing the trade-ins for the 500s and the 2000s. And so you would, every once in a while, you could find a reseller that was, I think, reselling the 1000s that I don't think they were supposed to actually be reselling. Um, so I still have the three-ring binder with the original box and the receipt. I paid 250 bucks for it in 1989. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, full cute. Still have a work, still has the working keyboard. Um, you know, within the last month, I just picked up that Parciero, that Parcaro 2 card from David Dunkel that adds the 8 megs of RAM and, you know, full auto boot with user selectable kickstart ROMs and uh, RTC clock. And it's just amazing to me that that's kind of my first love, first purchase computer that's now 30, you know, coming up on 40 years old in a few years. And there are still people like David out there making brand new hardware for it. I just think it's, I mean, you see the same thing with across the 64 and certainly other platforms it just uh amazes me that you know we're still seeing the love obviously in a group like this and uh people doing hardware development though i mean you know taking a pretty significant amount of time to develop new hardware so it amazes me that 40 years later i can still buy you know something to make that machine even more fun and more usable to use and you know 2023 that's just just crazy so it's yeah. still the machine that makes me smile when i boot it up the first time and hear the click of that, the loud click of the Amiga 1000 floppy drive internally when it always wants to make that noise. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I used it on a 1702 for a long time and that's what I still use it on when I don't have it plugged into a modern monitor. So just, I love that thing. Nice. I, uh, I never understood. I just want to comment on one thing Dan said. Never understood the, uh, the claims that people make how the Amiga was not popular in North America. Yeah. I, uh, it never made any sense to me. Uh, Are you like, talking about uh, boat? No, I'm, I mean it's true. You, you do hear, especially people on the other side of the ocean, say that you know it wasn't it wasn't a very popular machine. Uh, I mean, I'm a member of something called TPUC, which is uh, stands for the Toronto Pet Users Group. Goes to show you how old it is. Uh, it's the oldest, um, it's the oldest computer club in the world. It was founded in 1972 and is still active to this day. Uh, and I mean, Commodore had a Skunkworks here in Toronto, uh, where a lot of their stuff was developed. Uh, and I never understood that because, I mean, the only thing you could buy kind of in the late eighties, way more than you could any of the Intel based machines was an Amiga. Every store, uh, here in Toronto had them for sale. And I never understood that mentality that it wasn't popular. It was very popular, incredibly popular. So I, I personally knew more people that owned an Amiga than people that owned a an original Nintendo at the time. You know what I mean? I knew one guy that had an original Nintendo for me back in the day, but I knew three people that had Amigas and knew more people that had Amigas, but I didn't really I, – I heard that people at my high school had, like, Amigas. So – yeah, whenever like Boat says that on the show, like oh, they're they're a non-factor here in the U.S. Yeah, it wasn't. There were whole stores. There were three stores here in Sacramento dedicated to Amigas. Three stores. Yeah. So, so, think, so Tim and Paul, can being you spread in a city that like word amongst all your friends. Yeah, and I think, <laughs> and I think moving I, to I Phoenix, think, you know, Arizona State certainly had a pretty popular uh, technical and. There were some uh, – Disney actually had a design studio in Phoenix at one time at that point, late 80s, early 90s. 
so I think maybe geographically where you were might help some of that, but um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, and also not only buying the P2 card, but Frank just sent me a nice t-shirt and a, you know, USB to Amiga 1000 adapter so that when I don't want to mess with my tank mouse, I can just plug in a real mouse to it. Yeah. And th- I will say that two of those Amiga shops were very close to a large Air Force base that was here. And yeah. I do think that some of when the I'm military guys were more into like microcomputers than, y- you know what I mean? I mean, I did know a lot of people that were in the military that had Commodore 64s and yeah. Amigas and stuff like that. So th- you're right. There may be something geographically about that being a truth. Yeah, because I'm right next know. to Luke Air Force Base as well. And David Dunkel, the one that makes the Parcero card, he's a U.S. Air Force retired engineer. So, I mean, that's his background. Is Could be something like that, yeah. Yeah. I think personally, I think it's really down but to as far as games, the timeline. Um, I had friends yeah. with Amiga, so that's kind of what turned me on to them. But, you know, the early stuff I remember is like Shuffle Puck Cafe and, of course, Marlboro Madness. Um, I had friends that had video toasters later on. So even just being able to play a lot of the demos – I can play most of those still. There's still on a ton of high chip RAM, you know, things until later on um, that I could still run most of that on my, on my A1000. So, um, and while I have a, I have an Unamiga card that uh, I have built in for an emulated Amiga that I have in an Amiga 500 case. So I can kind of use that to run newer stuff. But the cool thing with the, the modern hardware is now I can run OS3 on my 1000 and, and use all the utilities and all the little tools that don't care how much chip RAM you have. I love the keyboard. The keyboard still is, is one of the most fluid, easy to use keyboards on the 1000. That's just, and I feel the same way about my 128. I'll, I, I play games on my 64, and if I even actually want to type or call a DBS, I use my 128. I think picking up a point what you said, um, I think it's more of a, a timeline based thing. Um, I'm uh, good, my, good pers- my of, personal uh, yeah. opinion is I'll always that- be a Commodore nerd at heart. I'm sure. <laughs> and my my personal opinion is after. Um, the uh, sort of like the Amiga 600, Amiga 1200, that's the kind of like cutoff point in America. Because after that time, people were sort of like doing more uh, PCs and all that sort of stuff. So the 486s and early Pentiums and all that sort of stuff. And then when those machines came in, I think that's probably more the common conception of where the Amiga started to tail off in the USA. But I, I, I mean, we listen, we had the CD32 here, unlike our friends south of the border. Uh, and I mean, I remember right up being able to buy a 4,000 right up until the very last minute at numerous computer stores here. Yeah. Pajako, you had something to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I've read uh, quite a lot of the Commodore history books, which are really fascinating. So to hear stories about the Amiga not being popular in America was really surprising. So yeah, I'm glad to hear it. It wasn't as, uh, wasn't as poorly received as I thought it was or as I heard, but yeah, it just um, seems so strange when you think like Commodore's an American company that a big machine like that wouldn't sell well or wouldn't do well. So. Right. Yeah. And I think if you, maybe if you compare it to what it's like in Germany where they're still having, mm. you know, a thousand people attend a, an Amiga convention. Yeah. That's, yeah. we're not, to that level anymore but i mean it's still i think from a collectible standpoint it's still yeah. it's more collectible now than ever certainly with the with where retro is gone right. we had five we had almost 500 people world of commodore in december I, yeah here. i keep that's always on my list frank it just have not been able to <laughs> get up there. let me know adam i wonder if dan uh paradroid had 
Uh, and you're in the upper Midwest too, right? Yes. So, like, I know in Michigan, there was really almost no coverage in the Amiga scene at all. I know of, and, and I only knew of one shop that carried, like, the Atari ST range. Um, other than that, once, um, you know, I think Radio Shack had a huge hold on the Michigan scene. So I've got, like, uh, two Tandies up here. Um it seemed like in the Michigan area that there really wasn't, there really wasn't anybody. I knew one kid who had an Amiga and that was because he was from the West coast. And, uh, but locally here, I never saw one in a store. Really? Really? Yep. Hmm. I actually saw them in our local mall at a place called video concepts as a piece of video equipment, basically. And it was Amiga 500 specifically, hmm. which was really kind of jarring to see when you're used to seeing them in specialty stores. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have shops around where you could get them. You usually had to drive a little bit, um, but it's kind of like the sort of thing that was probably invisible to the Moguls, if you will. Um, if you knew where to look, they were here. Um, and one other story I was going to tell in the late eighties, I worked at St. Louis County library, which is a huge library system. And we were looking for a way to automate our bookmobiles, which had been using regiscopes, which are like photocopy machines almost to, to check out books and that sort of thing. And we were looking at various laptops, like sharp laptops and some other things. I actually advocated for using Amiga 500s in the bookmobiles, like basically bolted down to the table because that's what they wound up. They were going to bolt something to the table and use it for transactions. And the, the circulation system was all written in basic and Microsoft basic and Amiga basic are actually very close. If you compile them, they're very, very similar in syntax. It's kind of a good thing. I got surprisingly close to getting that to happen. It's probably a good thing that it didn't happen because what I didn't know at the time was how the Agnes chips pop out when you have vibration. And that would have been a freaking disaster. That was the same on my first 500. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't generally a problem on a stationary machine so much, but I can just imagine, you know, where they're driving between locations that would have been a disaster. So I, I kind of dodged a bullet there and didn't even know it. But most PLCCs pop out of their sockets when they're right. Yeah, I, I, mean, I just fixed the customer's 500, and the second I opened it up, anything that was socketed a PLCC chip was out just from well, I had a 500 for a while until I traded it for a 2000. And every once in a while, I'd have to open it up and push the Agnes down. Um, yeah, but, the sockets they used were terrible as well. Yeah. My yeah. my, fir- my first 500 went back. Yeah, I will say from all the recapping nightmares I hear, I have to say I'm lucky with my 2A1000s. I've opened up both, looked for bulges, looked for anything, and um, I didn't even, I, I can't remember, I'd read someone uh, was on a recent podcast, and they mentioned that uh, some of the early generation Amigas actually used some of the better quality caps, and that people that recap are just kind of, end up creating problems for themselves rather than solving them in a lot of circumstances that well, recapping ones, just a recap is, is, is pretty silly in a lot of circumstances. The sure Mega 1000 didn't that, right? have that, that 
plague. Yeah. yeah, well, they they just built it to a better quality yeah. standard at that time. Well, a lot of it, um, so as well, it, as someone who does this for a living, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was a, a run of caps that were made probably between, let's say, eighty five. Uh, or maybe 86 to about 89 uh, that were just badly manufactured. Uh, there's a lot of stories as to why that is. Formulas were stolen, competitors, the formula was written wrong. Uh, and those are the ones you need to worry about. And primarily, you only see them in the Amiga line in the 1200 and the 600. Those are the only two places you really need to be careful. Uh, and some 4000s. Uh, I have, and I'll be honest, I do do this for a living. I have yet to see a 500 come across our, any of our benches with bad caps, a 1,000, a 2,000. Uh, I have seen a 3,000, but that was self-inflicted. Uh, uh, and 500s, I mean, mostly it's the battery. So, you know, does it hurt to replace your caps? No, it doesn't. I mean, you're, you're essentially getting new capacitors. Do you need to in a lot of these machines? No, you don't. You absolutely don't. Uh, there is a bad run of caps that absolutely should be replaced if they haven't simply because they were poorly manufactured and they leak uh which will cause damage to the traces but, well and i think there's some confusion uh, on caps on where where they're used in the system too some of these machines have integrated power supplies where those things are certainly a much more higher stressed part of mm -hmm. the machine versus the machines absolutely. that have external power supplies and uh absolutely any of us that have worked on especially later pcs the quality just got so poor in power supplies where but these early generation machines, yeah, they were using just as good a quality caps in the power supply oh, yeah. as they were on the motherboards, and they yeah. they tend to last. It's, I mean, we've all got. There I, is. Really, I mean, listen, without getting tagged, there is a mean yeah. time to failure on sure. everything, and number of hours it eats, and these things happen. But to cause damage, it's the it's surface mount caps from right. like eighty six to eighty nine that you need to be worried about. Well, and that's I, it. And I think some of us early Commodore guys got scared by Commodore sixty four and Vic twenty bricks that turn into molten lava. You know, power supplies, <laughs> when, especially my early Vic, my right. two-pronged Vic, man, that thing, you could cook an egg on that power supply. All right, guys, so we're going to sign off of this show, but I want to thank everyone that participated in this. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm I'm ecstatic that we've reached our 100 episode, so it's a milestone for us, and we're going to have something we're going to have something special for um, episode 100. I know Cody has some things in the works, um, and we're kind of working on that right now. But um, I want to thank all of you very much for participating in this. And uh, again, st and I, I want to say thank you guys. You really are the reason why we keep going. Um, I, I, it, it amazes me that people will would support us the way you guys do. And you guys show up for these events and you guys uh, with the Patreon stuff uh, and Frank with the sponsorship. We love doing the show and we're going to keep doing it as long as people listen. So thank you very much. And um, don't forget. It's dangerous. That sound means...
Tim is here. Hello, I'm here. What else would that how sound? Are we all? What else would that sound mean? That's how that's how Tim enters a room. I do. Every time I enter the room, someone's standing behind me with a gong. Didn't you not know that? And a couple of ladies with large feathers. <laughs> Throwing rose petals at my feet. Yes, exactly. Awesome, Tim. Well, how do you feel about 100 episodes of Pixel Guide in, my friend? I feel pumped. I am ready to go. Let's do this. We'll just do 100 more, is what he means. Yeah. Go Eric, on. Eric, you still with us? You got, you got quiet over there. Nope, I'm here. I nice, am, I nice, am in nice. the house. Well, the reason I asked for Eric, uh, because I know Tim's got his coffee, but mm-hmm. it's time for Eric and I to crack open a beer, perhaps with a mammal that belches. Sure. Let's do that one. I got it right here. Mammal, I belch. <laughs> there you go. Well, exactly. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and drink this beer with, with you, Tim. That's what we're saying, with a mammal that belches. Uh, From Belching Beaver Brewery. Yep. This one is one we haven't had yet called Must Be the Honey. Must Be the Honey. Must Be the Honey Blonde Ale brewed with honey. 5.5 alcohol by volume. Uh, It is a nice little uh, blonde ale. Let's try this bad boy out. Eric provided uh, the beers we are rating for this show, the episode 100, part A and part B. So is this the third honey beer we've had on the show? Probably. I don't know. We've had we've had track seven. I remember that one. Yeah, I think we've had at least two. Maybe this this maybe the third. I think. Yeah, I think we had a good one and a nice one. Right. Oh, right. and also, um, wasn't the mead that you had honey? Was that that's right? Mead? Yeah, it sure was. Well, yeah, mead as it is made is made with honey. So I think yeah. you are. Yes. Although it didn't specifically, I guess it had honey flavor. This is a frothy, frothy beer. It is very beer in color, meaning, I don't know, it looks like beer. It looks like a port of Coors into my glass. It's golden, but, I mean, you can't really see through it. At least I can't see through mine, so. You know what? I have always had a bit of body to it, then. Yeah. I have that. Well, let's go ahead and cheers, my friend. Eric, cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Here's to 100. 100 episodes. 100 eps. And also mm-hmm. thank you to all the patrons and everyone that listens. There you go, joining Tim. Joining us on our journey. Tim got his part in. I'm excited for you to hear the patron song, Tim. I haven't finished it yet, but at this point, everyone else will have. Um, <laughs> I did have that question, by the way, is I know Bud Light and Bud Budweiser are like worldwide and everywhere, but do you guys have like Coors and Miller over there? Do those make it over there as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not that I ever drink any of them, but yes, they do. <laughs> Good for you. That's the right answer. <laughs> they, I am an equal opportunist when it comes to beer. I enjoy all beers in their place. Yeah, I, I don't tend to drink a lot of. We call, obviously we call those lagers over here, um, and uh, I don't tend to drink a huge amount of lagers. More, more of a beer. What I would call a proper, you know, a beer. Proper beer. Yeah. Yes. All right, Eric. So out of one hundred episodes mm-hmm. in, th- in this case we're uh, we're on episode 100a so at 100 episodes next episode we'll probably do like 100 and a half episodes yeah um, so this yeah this isn't um this beer isn't anything super special but it is it has a sweetness to it you can taste the honey has a sweetness to it it's got a lot of body i think there's a decent amount of flavor for a lighter blonde ale um, but it's nothing special. I'm going to give this probably a 
70 out of 100, 100 and a half? I was thinking 72. That's exactly okay. it. I think it tastes, actually, I think it tastes like a Budweiser with a little honey stirred into it. That's what it tastes like really? to me. Okay. I haven't had Budweiser in a long time. Anyways, there you go. All right. Whoa. Whoa. That sounded like somebody sneezed and then opened a cash register when their belly hit the cashier while sneezing. <laughs> I don't know if that's what that was supposed to be, but that's what I heard. All right. Episode 100 means we have to go ahead and do a special portion of the show. We're going to call Best Games of the Entire Show. Cool. Um, let's see. Uh, Eric, I want you to wrap this one out for me. <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Pixel Guidance. Oh, yeah. yeah. Best Game Show ever. All right. That was our intro. Sorry I didn't prepare one. <laughs> I didn't know. I wasn't ready. Yeah, I could well, have had a better rap for you. I wasn't ready either. All right. We are quite simply going to go ahead and talk about our favorite things since we started doing this show. Of course, we do a little like yearly recap. We talk about our favorites every year. So let's talk about our favorites of the entire show as we like to do. Uh, feel free to flush it out with... Any special honorable mentions or anything else you guys want to. Um, but I've got a list in front of us of some of the previous winners. Uh, don't feel the need to discuss all of them. Just pick your favorite. And if there's a one that you feel tickles your fancy, mm-hmm. feels you need to bring it up, then let's do that. So let's go ahead and start right on down the list with our favorite new game on an old system since we started Pixel Guide N. Eric, would you like to go first, my friend? Sure, I'll go first. Um, So favorite new game on an old system. Some of the contenders were Knights in Slimes on the Commodore 64, which is an excellent, excellent game. Um, Rogue 64, another one on the Commodore 64, which is fantastic. Uh, Love that game. Played it a ton. Soul Force by Sarah Jane Avery, which is was was pretty awesome. I mean, that was a fantastic shoot 'em up. Yep. And uh, Jetpack DX, which um, is a great game, a good game, a great game based on a good game on the ZX <laughs> Spectrum. Um, and then thinking about it, I, I honestly am going to give the nod because I love the ZX Spectrum. I'm going to give the nod to Jetpack DX. I played the crap wow, out of that. though. Yep. And I love Jetpack. But I did find, between now and then, I did find a little flaw in Jetpack. Ooh. I don't know if you knew this. I did not. You can sit on the top platform and just sit there and hold the fire button down. I literally put, like, a, a heavy object on the fire button. <laughs> and you can just run the score up. High score stuff is meaningless in the original Jetpack because there is a hack where you can get the highest score. On the fir- but, yeah, you, you stay on the first level. On yeah. the first level. Yeah. If you go to the next yeah. level, there, yeah. Yep. But no, you're right. I actually, I actually did. I did know about that. I figured that out myself as well. But it was so yep. boring. I'm like, nope. I need to try to beat levels. That's my my mindset. Yep. The beautiful thing is Jetpack DX fixes that because every level is different. The platforms are. In, whenever you start, platforms are in different spots. Yep. There's pa- more different power ups. It is a great, like I said, a good game. A great game that's based on a good game, and that he made it even better. And that's from our buddy. Uh, 
what is it? Happy coder. Happy coding. Yeah. Happy coding. And uh, he did that. I'm going to give the nod to that. I loved Knights and Slime. Loved, I love these other ones too, but that's the one I'm giving the nod to Jetpack DX. Interesting to note that all of your games of the year for new games on an old system were Commodore games, except for Jetpack. Correct. They were and all 8-bit computer games. Correct. Correct. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I was about to say something specific about Jetpack, but it lost me. So, hmm. <laughs> Well, Tim, how about you, my friend? Yeah, there's, there's obviously many games that we've played, um, but some of, some of my highlights, um, I, I think um, Vector Blade. Uh, one that holds mm-hmm. a lot of sway with me at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then we got uh, the fabulous Rogue 64, uh, which I got everyone a, a physical copy of. Um, and yes, that, that's did. a great game. And that kind of got me into the Rogue style of games. So uh, I was quite pleased about that. Um, and then a recent entry, uh, which was part of the most recent Craptastic 64 uh, competition, which was Marble Boy which we're all hoping that that might get an extended version. Um, and uh, another one by Sarah Jane Avery, The Bridey Witch Chronicles, that's got to be in there. Yep. Um, Jetpack DX, obviously. And um, I think the one that I'm going to go for mm-hmm. over and above all of this is Fix-It Felix Jr. Great oh, yeah. choice. I Great choice. <laughs> it's just absolutely brilliant. It's one of my all-time favorite Commodore 64 games, full stop. I agree. And it I think just brilliant. And I think we need to kind of take some licensing out of it and put it on an Evercade cart. Yeah. Yeah. The game it's, is so good. One of, one of those games, isn't it? It's just you can just sit there and play it and play and play. Um, it's it's great fun. And it's a reason quite often that I actually go not not that I don't need a reason but you know, I, I sometimes I need a reason to, to go back and play on the 64 these days because we're doing so many different things. <laughs> um, yeah, and the, the, some of the systems get lost. You know, you just don't you don't pick up pick them up for sometimes months on end. Um, but this is a game that I always load up, and in fact, I think my um, Kung Fu Flash is programmed with it to come on as soon as I turn the 64. There on, you go. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah great game so i think one of one of my better ones is 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 obviously uh, fix it felix um i love vector blade um i did take that round uh when i went to see gary recently but we didn't get a chance to play on the on the uh on the vectrex because he hasn't got a copy of it yet i keep keep telling him he's got to get vector gotta get vector blade brilliant game yeah. <laughs> my favorite definitely my favorite vectrex game yeah yeah definitely. mine too well chosen, well chosen. I noticed both of you guys, outside of the Vector Blaze choice, all 8-bit and almost all Commodore, except for Jetpack. And all computer games, yeah. yeah. Except for Vector Blaze. 8-bit computer, yeah, I didn't finish my thought. Sorry about that. Yeah. So I, th- I'm going to, this is going to be weird. And I think I made a mistake one of these years. And I can't tell you which year it was, but I'll go through mine. Uh, I also had Fix, Fix It Felix on here. Um, I also had some Sarah Jane Avery stuff in the form of Zeta Wing, even though it wasn't as technically impressive as Soul Force or as Briley Witch. That game just had gameplay up the wazoo. We haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, up true. The wazoo. Um, 
there's a couple other C64 games that year I really liked. Shadow over Hawksmill, which is kind of a Cthulhu-based adventure game. Starlayer, which was part of the Craptastic. I really liked that kind of Metroidvania space kind of game. Um, really, it was coming down to two games for me uh, outside of Fix-It Felix, and that was uh, this year's Owl's Awakening, which I, which I absolutely love that game. One of my favorite NES games of all time, and it happens to be made this year, or in 2022, Still love it. It's way up there. And then I thought about last year. I gave it to the fan... um, uh, It's not a remake. It's a fan, I don't know, continuation of a series that was Alex Kid 3 on the Master System. And as much as I enjoy Alex Kid on the Master System because of nostalgia purposes, this game is three times better than Alex Kid. It is a great game. Brilliantly done. Creative, classy, polished. Alex Kid 3 is awesome. But I think my favorite new game on an old system since we started the show, it's not even on my list here, Xenocrisis on the Neo Geo. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. love that game. It is a <clears throat> top-down uh, kind of a, uh, well, I guess it could be a twin stick, although with the Neo Geo, it's kind of a, you point in the direction, hold a button down, you stay in that direction. Uh, but more or less a twin stick shooter in the feign of like Smash TV meets aliens and two-player co-op we, we both we all of us played on the couch together and and shot aliens it is not easy but you get better at it uh it is visceral there's sounds going off tons of sprites love that game from new game on an old system for me xenocrisis on the neo geo nice that's a good choice all right, all right, all right. Moving on to our favorite modern title. Now, this does not mean a retro-inspired title on a new machine. This is a modern, you know, more or less fully modern game, if you will. And this is going to be some gray area, of course. Um, let's let Tim start on this one. Okay. So there's a, a few we've got listed here. Um, so what my kind of game of the year was crash drive three. Um, that was a game that we played on the switch quite a bit. Um, uh, I played it a a fair chunk during the summer and had some great fun on that. Um, and Danica played that one a bit as well. Um, another one is, uh, from, uh, I think it was last year. I got my, um, Xbox, um, and I, got a rare replay um and one of the games i played on there was, <laughs> was cobra triangle i have to your your potential modern game of the year is an emulator with a bunch of retro games on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's, it was really good it was um, good yeah cobra triangle is great i love it yeah um and then we've got uh hot shot racing mm-hmm. that was good that was a good one uh animal crossing um but I think there's one there that's not on that list. Yes, I love um, it. For me. <laughs> and it's one I've recently started playing again. Um, and I think it's got to be Gran Turismo 7 for me. Wow. Um, nice. Game. Um, I absolutely love that game. It's, it's back to good old Gran Turismo at its best, I think. I think they, they lost their way a little bit on a couple of, on a couple of, of the series um especially the the one before um 
was it six or was it i think it was sport or something like that oh yeah yeah like there's kind of in between games yeah i think the sport yeah. was kind of the uh the placeholder it wasn't the full game yeah it's like a 40 dollar. yeah yeah um but this is just brilliant it's it's got so much in it and they really did mess it up with one of the updates and i did have a rant about that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but they 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 soon fixed that and they are kind of like messing with the format a little bit in some of the updates as it comes along but i think that's they're taking some of the tuning element of some of the cars away um because you can work the settings oh yeah grind the cars out and do some money making and all that sort of stuff and some of them one of them was just such a crazy one with the uh i think it was the one of the dodge cars which was like capable of nearly 300 miles an hour and you could just blast through every every race yeah um, so they, they they took that loophole out which was okay i suppose fair enough um, <laughs> but um yeah uh, the well i won't go into it because i know we're going to cover it probably on catching up at some stage but um yeah so I think personally, me, my uh, modern title for, for recent stuff has got to be Gran Turismo 7. So yep. it's not Doki Doki Literature Club, huh? Oh. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. It's good, but it's not, <laughs> it's not something I want to replay. I get nightmares about that game still. I actually kind of want to replay it and, and, and yeah, try to see some alternate endings, actually. But um yeah, I was literally just thinking about Gran Turismo the other day because I was walking by my racing rig that I put a bunch of time and effort into, and uh, it sat there for a few months now unused, and I'm like, man, I really want to hop in there. <laughs> yeah. I need to get that thing up and running again. I'll go well, ahead that, and do my... Of course, we, we did some two-player co-op on uh, two-player on yeah. that as well, Cody. Yeah, that was good fun. Yeah, for sure. Mm. All right. Uh, my modern title... Uh, looking through these, uh, this one should come as no surprise, but going from, from most recent to further back, uh, I picked uh, you know different honorable mentions. It Takes Two, brilliant couch co-op game. Far Cry 5, absolutely loved it, more even more than Tim does. Um, <laughs> That's hard to believe. <laughs> uh, give it... Oh, there, we got sound effects. Tim doesn't even have to speak anymore. He just plays sounds. That's right. Uh Gibbous, which was like a point-and-click Cthulhu adventure. Sundered, which was a great Metroidvania-style game. Loved Moonlighter. Loved Hyperlight Drifter a lot. Both Guacamelee games, but most recently Guacamelee 2. But, man, Cuphead is mind-boggling. To this day, I can't... And even that they they had some DLC come out this year, and it was just as good as I remember the original Cuphead. Um... It felt like you're playing an old cartoon. It looks amazing. It plays amazing. Uh, there's reasons to go back and play things to try to get better rankings on each boss battle. It, I, it's got to be Cuphead. Cuphead blows me away. I absolutely love it. I don't have like video game like memorabilia really. Uh, I don't keep like Mario statues and things um, or or buy you know posters of Sonic the Hedgehog but Cuphead the artwork and everything about it the music the the feel of it, it that is something I will continue to purchase uh ephemera <laughs> if you will yeah so there's my modern title for the first 100 episodes nice what about you Eric 
So for a modern title, um, some of the contenders were, of course, Brotato. You can't beat Brotato. Brotato. Well, can you? Um, Are you going to? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna. I'm going to beat that one. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, Cult of the Lamb uh, was another one that I played for quite a bit and loved it. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a very modern title, although there's another one coming out now, um, or already came out, I think. Uh, Streets of Rage 4, forgot about that. That's a great game. Uh, I love that game. Um, Yeez, uh, which is the Lacrimosa of Dana or Ease something 8, like that. yep, yep. Ease 8, yep. And then my winner, though, is, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> is Ape Out. And I know you guys didn't. I don't think you guys played that one at all. You didn't download did. that or play. You did? I downloaded the demo, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And I paid for I, the full game and just didn't and I should have just done the demo cuz I don't think I even made it through the demo's worth of the game. Oh my goodness. I loved that game and I still do and I hope that someday they do a sequel because I couldn't stop playing it and I ended up beating that game. In fact, out of all the list of that's on here, that's the only game on this list. Well, no, I beat Streets of Rage 4, but Ape out, I I beat and I just I might even go back and play that again. That is that that is a beautiful, wonderful, unique game. Ape out is my winner for sure. So that's it. Ape out. I do I do love that it's unique and it's definitely its own thing, you know. And again, if you look at our list, a lot of these quote unquote modern games are five to ten hour kind of ret I guess retro inspired gameplay. They're not. Um, I know we have a retro-inspired list, but they're yeah they're kind of small indie titles with their kind of your own unique things and their own sets of rules. They're not AAA games, you know. Yeah. Very cool, Eric. How's that? How's that beer tasting for you now after you've had a few swigs? I actually really like it. I, I really like it. I mean it it's it's smooth. It's refreshing. It is a it's sweet. So if you're not a big fan of sweet beers, it's not going to sit well with you. But it's not overly sweet. I, I like it. I, I actually really like it. I think it's an easy drinking beer. But is it going to be your beer of the year? No, it will not be my beer of the year. Segway right into the best yep. beer we have enjoyed on the show in the last 100 episodes. It's a lot of beer. That is a lot of beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost sickening to think about, but it's uh, that's a lot of beer. In theory, well, in theory, that's 200 beers because it's roughly two an episode. Although yeah. some of those early episodes we were doing three or four because we only did one episode a month. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now we're, we can get, we can get a small, uh, a small village in the English countryside drunk with the amount of yeah. beverage we've. It's right. so bad that now when I go buy, when I go to the store to buy some new beers for the show, it's hard to find ones I haven't tried. Yep. <laughs> It's very hard. We got we got to find some weird like back alley black market exactly. places to to get beer. Yep. Well, I will go first on this one. Um, I'm just looking at the list. Some great beers in here. What's, what I do love about it, and I guess it makes a lot of sense. Everyone has a different palate. Um, I don't think any of our beers of the year, even our honorable mentions, really cross over with anybody else's. Uh, so I'll I'll run through it real quick. Uh, we had Sudwork Pe- People's Pilsner as well as the Gunrock Hazy IPA, two different beers um, in 2022 that I chose, both from the UC Davis campus here in Northern California. Uh, the Danny Trejo Cerveza was my yeah, beer I, of the year last year, which is a surprise. 
I see that all the time in the store, and I'm always tempted to just pick up another box of it because it comes in a little box. A little box of four beers. It, it was yep. good, man. It um, was good. The Fall River Irish Cream Stout, that was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't feel like I can cheat and choose Num Num because of the beer I already loved before the show. I brought it to kind of share it with you. Yeah. Cherry Jane. I remember Cherry Jane being absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And Dragon's Milk. Do you remember Dragon's Milk? Because oh, I, I think I brought that one. Yes. Yeah. And I bought it a few times since. And it is it, it's amazing. It's great. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful beer. That being said, mm-hmm. even though I did not pick it, yeah, there's two beers that I'm, that I'm thinking about that I at least need to mention them because they blew me away. One was the uh, triple sour. The some, What was it called? Sour Monkey? Yeah, I think so. That just was super sour. Somehow it just worked for me, and I absolutely loved it. I've bought that since. That's up there. Um, it's kind of, it was kind of, Cherry Jane was similar to that. And then also uh, from Wild Beer Company, uh, Tim, you sent over a very yeasty beer. Mm, um, yes. I'm blanking on the name of it right now, Tim. Help me out sourdough. here. What was it? Sourdough. Yeah, the sourdough. Sourdough. Right? Yeah, the sourdough. Yeah. Um, that was fantastic. I think and because it it's not, it, I don't think it's in existence anymore, and and the 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 beer company itself may or may not be in existence anymore in the form that it was. Um, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with Wild Beer Company Sourdough. I think I'm gonna give that to my my beer of the uh, first 100 episodes. Wow! High praise. <laughs> High praise. High praise. A little little brewery in Somerset, England. <laughs> yeah. Pixel Guidance beer yeah. of the decade. Yeah, wow. Absolutely. Eric, how cool. about you? Yep, so I'm gonna run through these pretty quick. Um one is one we one one that I still drink a lot because it's a local brewery in West Sacramento called Jackrabbit. It's a black lager. It's called it's got a name to it though. It's a tart tartaramoke. Tataramore, California, black lager. Okay. Um, if you say so. Yep. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I want to say that's uh, I, I don't, I'm not even going to guess. I'm going to insult someone if I say it. I think it's some kind of native tribe or something. I don't know. Okay. But, um, but it's great. Fantastic beer. And then one that we just had on this episode 100A, right, yeah. was by King Kong Brewery, it was Prague at Night. It is a dark black or a, a black lager. Um, then we had a creamsicle dreaming dog. <laughs> I remember when we had that. That's that a was a great beverage. <laughs> it is a great beverage. Not so much a great beer, but a great beverage. But it, it really is on a hot summer day. It hits the spot. Tim, we sent you one of those, didn't we? You did, and it was good. I enjoyed that. That <laughs> is good. There you go. It's, it's great. Um, and then the Belching Beaver, which we're having a Belching Beaver brew right now as we speak. We are. Not, yeah. That's not on the list. This one is a Belching Beaver peanut butter stout, which is actually very, very good. I have one in the fridge Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. Waiting to be consumed. But if I have to pick out of all of these, I am going to pick I think King I know. Kong Prague at Night. Oh, really? Wow. I yes. would have guessed you were going to pick peanut butter stout. No, no, I, okay. I I love the Prague at Night. It's not so much that it's the better beer, but I love the flavor of Prague at Night. The toasty, 
roasty, delicious flavor of it. I love it. <laughs> delicious. All right, Mr. Tim. Okay. So, obviously, I don't get to drink a huge amount of beer on the show, apart from when I was over in California, and the occasional sippy-poo. Sippy-poo. <laughs> when I can. Love it. Um, but there, there's obviously um, the one that I chose uh, this year, which I wish we knew what it was, um, <laughs> which was when we were over at Coinop in Sacramento, um, was the first beer I had there. Um, it was free, so it tasted ever so sweet anyway. <laughs> uh, but that was a nice beer. That was a good sour. Um, <clears throat> on the list here, we've got um, Tintagel Brewery, um, which was the Merlin's Muddle. I love I that name. You guys, yeah, I think I sent you guys over some um, Tintagel beers over, yes. over the course of time. Um, and that, that, was, that was a good one. Um, and one that definitely has to be up there for me. I know you guys, I think, uh, I brought some over with me, um, which was Pogo, yeah. uh, which is the yeah. guava fruit beer, uh, from yeah. Wild Beer Company. And that's, that was that's good. really nice. That's kind of like one of my go-to beers. Um, a couple I think need mentioning, um, is Juicier Than Thou. Yeah. Uh, that is a really good beer and you sent me over that one and i think we had at least one of those whilst i was over there yeah you went to the actual brewery we had some there yep um and uh millionaire uh by wild beer Mm -hmm. which is the uh salted caramel uh stout and that is brilliant i love that one um and then another one that's just kind of like a, a an everyday drink for me, which I've had a few times. I don't think I brought any over with me. Um, and that's Korev. Um, hmm. It's uh, uh, brewed by um, a Cornish uh, brewery. Um, and uh, it's a really nice lager, just really crisp, clean. Um, and normally when I go uh, to Cornwall, I get that on draft, which is really nice. Um, so I thought I'd just throw that one in there. That's that's a good, is that good a, drink, that one. Is it's that a bit of a corny beer? A corny beer, yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to insult somebody if I try to make a joke, but hey. <laughs> um, yeah, so those, those are ones that honorable mention. I think I'm probably going to go with Millionaire. All right, yeah, yeah that's the, if I were to guess out, for right? you. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's one I go back to an awful lot. Pogo is kind of like an everyday drinker, but I think one that really stood out for me um, when I first tried it was like Millionaire. Yeah, that was that was a really good beer. So another one from the Wild Beer Company. Absolutely, Sweet. and that, we tried that uh, when you were over here. That's right. Yep. We had yep. a ton of those. For sure. Yep. <clears throat> All right, we are done with the beer. We are moving on to our next segment, which we have four to go here. So out of everything we did this year, what was your favorite retro-inspired game? So modern system, new game, but essentially I guess we could just say pixel graphics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess that's kind of what we're going for, I guess. But retro-inspired game. Uh, so let's start with Eric on this one. Yeah, so there's a couple of ones that stand out for this for for in the past. Where first one was on the next, the ZX Spectrum Next, which I technically don't even own yet, but I was using the Mister Core for to play this game, 
And when you you brought it up, I think on the podcast, Cody, and yeah. uh, I remember you brought it up in the news or something like that. And I I was like, this game looks amazing. I went and downloaded it for the Z- for the core on my Mister and played it. Then another one that bring, comes up is Warblade because I do love Deluxe Galaga on on the Amiga, and Warblade is kind of the sequel or successor to that game. Um, and I did enjoy that one quite a bit. Um, there's a lot of retro inspired games on the switch, but honestly, I mean, none, none stand out as much as these games. I'm going to pick, I guess it's called Vrodark's Vrodark's revenge Uh, on the the next. I, I, I didn't think I'd enjoy this game as much as I did. It's kind of a topish down, (laughs) <laughs> topish down topish down kind of uh chaos engine style game but with so much more going for it i i still i mean i can still remember the game which is says something about it i mean it it's i i love the zx spectrum next concept that it's a modern implementation of that and i want it to succeed and this game is just an amazing game that's on that platform so that's going to be my choice vrodark's revenge gotcha gotcha i have not i've loaded it up but i just finally got the correct dongle i thought they had the right dongle before but i had a ps2 mouse to usb i needed usb to ps2 okay so just yesterday i got those in the mail from amazon for like three bucks or whatever and uh, so I am ready to play some Red Arch Revenge now. So I have not Great played it Love yet. It. Yeah. Yeah, I, pl- I played that. Um, I got it on the C-Spec on the emulator. So I've been playing it on the PC. Nice. Okay. Uh, speaking of Tim talking, Tim, talk. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that came across really rude, but hopefully you took that the right way. <laughs> talk, talk, boy. Woo-hoo-hoo. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, I've got a couple here on the list. Um, one that I played when I was over with Cody in California was Baggers in Space on the ZX Spectrum Next, uh, which is an absolutely buttery smooth, lovely game uh, from nice one. Jim Bagley. Um, uh, it's a nod very much to kind of like um, uh, Jetpack and also sort of like the the uh, the atypical kind of spectrum platform style games um so that one's really nice one um and uh jeff minter game uh which was one of my inspirations for getting the vita and then Mm. going down the whole modding route and all that sort of stuff um and that's uh tkx um, on the the playstation vita which is like a uh a tempest inspired game um, and that's that's a great shooter. It's just very visceral, colorful, just uh, music. And it's just that that whole kind of like Jeff Minter experience, if you're into that sort of thing, which I very much am. Uh, so I enjoy that. Um, another one that kind of is in a similar vein that I think probably is worth mentioning um, because I had some great fun on that because of the VR element on it is uh, Polybus oh, on the cool. PlayStation. I haven't played that yet. Oh, that is mad. <laughs> it's a mad game. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think that. Yeah, that, I'll have to give that a shot. Probably because there was a lot of buzz about it 
being a VR game. So most people thought, well, I can't really play it in 2D, which is, it's a, it is a good game in 2D as well as, um, the, uh, the VR style. Okay. It's just mad. It's just a completely immersive experience. Um, cool. he has followed that up with a couple of other games as well, like Space Giraffe and a couple of others, but, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Space Giraffe. But, um, and I, I think personally, if I kind of go on what I've played the most, I spec it's probably got to be Polybus on that. Um, I think it's, it's brilliant and it's, one I often break out the VR stuff for because I don't leave it all set up. But uh, who you? I didn't even know you had VR. Yep. Yeah, I got PSVR. Oh, I'm gonna get me some VR set up. Yep. And they've got the PSVR two coming um, as well. But you then actually, it's funny. I was just at a little work thing a few weeks ago. A whole bunch of investment and, on that. And they and they they put me in a VR headset so I can see you know this kind of whole thing they're doing where they're creating these you know industrial. Um, line environments about how you know if you're a worker we could assimilate your environment so you take this piece and this piece here and you install it here and you do this so i'm holding these I'm, that was my first time in vr ever and i was standing in front of a bunch of other people in in uh you know business casual attire <laughs> looking like an idiot reaching around grabbing like parts off of an assembly line but um casually not not acting sick but actually feeling really sick from the from the motion <laughs> I, I well yeah I, short period of time but I, I never f- felt sick in there but I know a lot of people have <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> um, I'll go quick here so I hate to admit this I'm looking I I'm seeing four games here that I had actually mentioned uh, Archvale I played on the Xbox Infernax which is a Castlevania kind of game also on the Xbox uh, Ion Fury which was a a PC game that is very much like a 3D realm. Um, like Duke Nukem type of a game, but with a female lead being equally irreverent. And in 2020, I picked Tiverius, which was retro-inspired game on, again, the ZX Spectrum Next, which is technically a new system. Um, I feel like there was other games that I really dug into a like. Uh, I've already mentioned uh, Hyperlight Drifter. That was an amazing game. Uh, previously, I've mentioned Titan Souls, Loved that. There was a lot of retro-inspired games, um, and I love them all so much. It's hard for me to actually say, here's one that just blew the rest out of the water, because I liked so many of them. I mean, <sighs> you can even say Moonlighter was in there. I it, Come on, Daddy. Pick one. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I had so much fun with Archvale. I think that has to be my pick. That game was super cool it was exactly what i needed it was the right pace it was enough exploration without being too deep but deep enough that it wasn't boring i'm gonna go with archvale i still think that's a a criminally underappreciated game there's my pick nice all right retro game of the year so this (laughs) is the legit topic right we're a retro gaming podcast these are Games that are now retro that were released on those consoles at that time. Retro game of the year. Starting with our boy Tim. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite retro game? Now, this is funny because you'll notice here in this, this year and this year, you picked the same game. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I will let you go. Tim, retro game since we started this show. 
Yeah. Um, so there's a few choices for me. Um, uh, one of the ones that I picked this, I think this, this year was Revenge of the Gator, which we played, which was a pinball game. Absolutely. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant. And I think there's a remake of that available ROM hack or something along those lines. It is a ROM hack. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's yeah. in our news this, uh, this, this episode. Oh, nice. Um, and then there was Power Slave and uh, Power Slave and Doom 64. <laughs> Somehow you got Power put, Slave Game of the uh, Year in 2021, even though you played it in 2020. But you know what? It wasn't Memory power, is a it was funny power thing. Slave and another one, wasn't it? But it had a big impact on you. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think my one's got to be Revenge of the Gator. I really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's just it's a so great. Good. I it's don't blame you. It's a great game. I love great it. Fun game. I, I can just sit there and play that. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Um, Power Slave was a good one. Um, and of course, Doom is Doom. Um, but I think uh, out of those, those three, I think it's definitely got to be Revenge of the Gator. Friends of the Gator, pinball game on the Game Boy. Doom, you say Doom is Doom, but Doom 64 was its own game. So if anyone's listening, um, I think you do. It's it's Doom, isn't it? It's kind of a Doom style game, whatever you want to say, call it. But um, yeah, Yeah, it's. it's, it's, it's I'm just saying, for anybody listening who's like, oh, I've played Doom, but I don't need to play that one. No, if you enjoy Doom and you want more Doom, Doom 64 is more Doom. You haven't played this Doom before, but it's more Doom. Does that make sense? <laughs> they're, they're all new yeah. levels. They're all new. It's its own thing. But it's more Doom. So we're but both... It's not Doom 2. It's not Doom 2. It's Doom 64. It's more Doom. It's more Doom. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, David Modelak that I think gave us the tip about the ROM, about the ROM hack for Revenge of the Gator. Yep. Um, he was talking to us about it on Discord. And uh, sent me the right directions to do what I needed to do there. So I want to try the ROM hack because that game is excellent. It's me beautiful. Too. I need to make that happen. So my retro game, since we've started the last 100 episodes, I could have picked a game that I already loved, which wouldn't be fair, Gradius Five. I could have picked Element- Elemental Master, another game I already loved, wouldn't be fair, Uh Eric introduced me to a brand new game I'd never played from the arcades called Demon Front, which I think out out Metal Slugged Metal Slug. Um, even though oh, I yeah, I remember some, that one. Yeah, somehow I never played Kirby's Adventure on the NES before. That became an, a, a definitely up there. Absolutely love that game. Oh man, that one! I I, I revisit that probably twice a year. Love that game. Yep. Um, heard about some great games we both loved. A shmup called uh, we all loved. I shouldn't say both. A great game, a shmup called Harmful Park on the PlayStation, oh. which was just oh, yes. super zany and fun and great, as well as an on-rail shooter called Sin and Punishment, which, by the way, I think we need to play the sequel uh, on the Wii, which is Sin, is Punish- Sin and Punishment 2. Okay. We need to do some sort of a Wii, uh, best Wii games or something, because we got to play some Sin and Punishment 2. That's that's been on my mind actually because I haven't used the Wii for ages. Me either. It, it would be good to start revisiting some of that stuff. There and we I go. I want to tell you, my Wii fell behind that that counter back here. <laughs> it fell behind <laughs> it, and I never went to retrieve it. It's still back there. So it's probably uh, cheaper to go out and buy another one than reach that's out. What I'm <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. So. 
but as weird as it sounds, I think if if I honestly look back, I had the best time and did not want to stop with Crash Team Racing on the PlayStation. Yeah, that's that, a beautiful. That's a, it's so fun. I mean, I played that for a while too. That's a lot of fun. Absolutely great game. Um, we need to do more races on the show. We don't do enough races. We were, we did a bunch of racers in a row for a while. I think that's why we took such a long break. But yeah, that was a great one. That was a great one. And we played it up against. It wasn't the Jaguar one. That one was terrible. What was? Uh, it wasn't against Atari Carts. No. Uh, what was? No, no, no. It was. Um, I'm trying to remember what we played Crash Team Racing against. Well, I'm going to see if I can pull that up. And they were both good, but Crash Team Racing was absolutely excellent. Um, it's funny, though, because they re-released it recently, and a lot yeah. of people, uh, they changed some things about it, and actually the original is the better way to play that game, from what I'm hearing. I heard the new versions, uh, the difficulties, well, Spike well, is weird. Did we, and, against, did we put it against Diddy Kong? Yes, Diddy Kong Racing on the N64. Diddy Kong Racing, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Which is I just pulled it up. That's the one we did, yeah. Which is saying something, because that was one of my favorite games growing up on the Nintendo 64. I love Diddy Kong Racing, but Crash Team Racing is better. Eric, what is your retro game of the show? My retro gaming. So, there was a. Yeah. Because I was thinking about this in the car on the drive. So one of the ones on the on a very early episode that I played and I played until I beat it was Ready to Rumble Two on PlayStation, and uh, I loved that game. And I'm not a big fan of boxing games. I haven't played that one yet. I've heard of it. Ready to Rumble? Yeah, oh, never man. played it. Uh, it's a, so I wasn't a big fan of boxing games at all. And then I, I don't know why I started playing that, but. I played it and I got hooked on it and there's a lot of strategy to it. It's, it's kind of a rhythm game, uh, sort of loved it. Ready to rumble to played it. Oh, uh, you know what? I played it on dreamcast. That's, That's what right. I, I know played it on dreamcast. There's one yeah. on dreamcast. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So I played it on dreamcast. I kind of forgot because it's on multiple platforms. I think it's on the PS2 as well. Um, but I played it on dreamcast and absolutely loved it so that was one going way back to early episodes um another one was gun dot smoke that we played pretty recently but i really loved that one that was a great kind of um almost like a walking shoot 'em up as you're going yep. up the screen um another one was power stone which is a kind of a three-dimensional fighting game if you will kind of a three-dimensional uh isometric uh beat em up i guess beat em up yeah. fighter one yeah yep and then the other one was uh, Yoshi's Island. What is that? Super Mario World 2? Yes. Is that, that the official name of it? Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island? Um, out of all of those, um, I think I'm going to have to pick Yoshi's Island. I loved that game, and it was challenging and hard, and I was beating my head against the wall on certain levels, but I stuck with it, and I ended up beating it. And I have such great memories. And the funny thing is, we I know we talk about how we don't listen to a lot of video game music, like, away from the, the game itself. Yeah, you know, we yeah. don't listen to it in the car or anything, and I still don't do that. But the Yoshi's Island theme, like the menu theme, it still sticks in my head, and I still think, I, I find myself humming it all the time, and I realize, what is that? Oh, yeah, it's Yoshi's Yoshi's Island. Island. <laughs> 
It's got amazing music. Uh, Not just the sound of Mario's baby crying. No, I, I blocked that out. <laughs> I wish it was a ROM hack where I could just remove that. There is. There is. <laughs> so anyway, that's my pick. Yoshi's Island. Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island. I'm glad to hear you pick that because when, uh, this is a little foreshadowing. Next yeah. episode, we're going to be doing top 16-bit games of all time. Yeah. And that was not going to be on the list until I thought about it. I'm like, no, Eric's going to want this on the list. Eric needs to have this game on the list. Yeah. I don't yeah. think you put I it under your five favorites. About- I think you must have forgot it for a second, but that I put I it on so. there for you because that needs to be on there. Fair enough. Even though I'm That's not huge list. on it. but Okay. Sounds good. Um, this is a weird one I kind of threw together, and it's uh, you don't have to look at just what I wrote down here because there's a lot more than this that we all acquired. But since we started the show, we've all acquired a number of new systems. Mm-hmm. Which is your favorite to you, uh, favorite new to you system since we started? Okay. It sounds like Eric already knows what he wants. Oh, I, I know which one. I'm not. I'm not first this time, am I? Um, I can be. I'm first this time. All right. Yeah, go ahead. So I've acquired some things such as a Coco 3. I've acquired numerous ZX Spectrums. Thank you very much, Tim. Uh, numerous Amiga consoles. Thank you very much, Eric and Tim. An Amstrad CPC. Thank you, Tim. Um, the 3DO more recently. The Jaguar, which I think I love owning all these things. Absolutely. Um Honestly, this is going to be a really hard choice for me. I'm not going to be able to pick one. I have to pick three, and that's a cop-out for sure. Absolutely a cop-out. Um, <laughs> you'll allow it? Okay, great. I think it's going, to come after, it's going to have to come down to three. As far as the impact it's had on my life, <laughs> this sounds so, so over-the-top dramatic, but it's true. We always tell the story that Eric was telling me about this weird system that I'd only ever heard about. And I never knew what it was. And the first like year or two of Pixel Gaiden was in large part me learning about the Commodore 64, which I had no idea what it was before we started the show. Um, I shouldn't say before we started the show, before I met Eric. Um, so the Commodore 64 is on there, brand new to me at the time. Uh, the, the modern retro scene with that Commodore is amazing. That's got to probably be a number one pick. As far as a system that's based on its original games, it's got to be the Turbo Graphics. That is an amazing, amazing system. Yeah. The game library in the system is amazing. As far as hardware itself, it's got to be the Vectrix. The Vectrix is just a little wonder kid of fun and unique shutting off all the lights and watching that screen glow at you and these like hard lines expanding across the screen everything about it is super smooth and funky and uh even the buzz man they have the buzz off kits to get rid of the buzz i love the buzz i want to feel i want to feel the electricity running through my speaker i love the buzz yeah not to mention one thing that took me aback with the vectrex was the sound it really is for what that device is the sound is freaking amazing the sound chip's pretty legit yeah so there we go eric i think you're next on this one yeah so there's a list here and i threw a couple i'm gonna say some other stuff here i know the list isn't um the end all be all of what i'm gonna pick here but um the msx2 the panasonic my panasonic msx2 
was probably one of the coolest things I got. Uh, like I remember when I, when I pulled it out of the bag when we were doing the podcast live because you had gotten an MSX the same month. Yeah. You remember that? Yes. You had you had the blue one. What is that one? The uh, What brand is that? Oh, mine um, is a, a Sanyo. Yeah, the Sanyo one. And a you were wavy like, hey, 23. look at this. It's so cool. And I was like, look at this. Boom. Panasonic. <laughs> I thought that was a really cool moment and, and it, just a great system. I loved collecting the doodads and whatnots that plug plug into it. Um, recently, I got a Famicom, which I had never had before, and it took me a long time to refurbish it and, and fix it up. Uh, the Famicom is really a neat, neat device. Um, Tim, thank you. We got me a Jaguar, and I love that thing. Um, I, I, I know it gets a lot of hate, but I found a lot of good games on that, solid games. I, I had a lot of fun. Tim and I went on a little venture and found the JVC XI, which is a Genesis Sega CD built into one device by JVC. Yeah, that thing's cool. Um, that thing is really cool, and I love it. Um, I've been using it a lot lately. But the one thing that I had been looking for forever and was uh, just never found a good deal on it, and when I got it, I still play it all the time. It's plugged into my big TV, and I play it. It's the Amiga CD32 that Tim got me. That one is my my favorite system that I received since starting the show. Um, I can't explain why I love it so much because I know that you know a lot of it was a failure here and kind of a failure everywhere, really, if you think about it. Um, but I love it. I plug it in, and with that terrible fire card plugged in, and every game you can imagine, it just comes up to this menu and I pick whatever Amiga game I want to play and I just play it on my big TV and it it's beautiful. I love it. So the Amiga CD32 is my choice. Nice. Nice. Yep. CD32 is brilliant. It's simple as you can't. If you want an Amiga, you know, to have the whole complete experience, you don't want all the all the complications to go with it, then the CD32 is definitely the one to have. Yeah. Really well, I, I do love my CD32, but still plugging that thing in and then plugging down a mouse and then like a card and then like another thing. There's still like nine things I have to plug in to get that thing work. <laughs> I love it, but it's not quite as easy as you make it sound. I'm going to be honest with you. But it is the yeah. way I play most of my Amiga games now because it does, it is the most solid and simple way to do it. For sure. Cool. Uh, so for me, uh, we have the wonderful TI uh, 994A uh, that uh, Cody very kindly sent over to me. Um, I've got the the Sony Hitbit MSX. So we've I think we've uh, two mentions for the MSX there. Mine's that's the MSX one, not the MSX two. Um, the wonderful, wonderful Vectrex <laughs> that you guys got me. All right, we know we know which one's in the running. Okay. <laughs> Um, there's the, uh, the Apple two, um, uh, the Apple two E, uh, that, um, Josh Malone, uh, one of our wonderful patrons and good friend, um, he sorted out for me. And then, uh, Pete, uh, Rector Pete on uh, Twitter, he brought it over. Um, and we met up and we swapped a ZX Spectrum. He had a ZX Spectrum Plus 2, one of the gray ones, and we swapped that over, and that's kind of started up a really good friendship. So that's very, very fond memories for me, that one. Um, one that I thought I'd mentioned as, as kind of like a, an, an all-round go-to system for me is my Raspberry Pi 400. 
Um, those are brilliant little devices. And because I don't have a mister or anything like that, um, then that's a, a really good one for me to hit into. And if I just need to quickly test some games out, I can just whack them on there and, and give it a go. Uh, not exactly a system, uh, but again, another thing that you guys sent over to me. Thank you very much, Eric, mm-hmm. um, which was the 1581 disk drive, the three and a half inch disk drive for the Commodore 64. Um, it kind of a, has a bit of a, a nostalgia for me because I had one originally uh, brand new uh, when it came out for about three or four weeks, I think. Um, and then I sold my whole C64 set up with the 1581 and a 1541 to fund my first 16-bit system which was the atari st um and uh yeah so uh, it was great to receive one of those and i had to do a quick repair on it as well so i actually fixed something rather than broke it for- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i was quite pleased about that um so going out of all of that lot um i think probably the thing that means the very, very most to me and something that I will use over and over and over again, um, it's got to be the Vectrex. It's uh, that system I've wanted since I was wee and I, and I couldn't get one um, because I missed out on it <laughs> originally when they, were, when they were putting them on sale in, in the shop over here in, in the UK called Woolworths, which is no longer with us, unfortunately. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I missed that out by, you know, by about an hour or so. And I was so bummed about that at the time. And I always wanted one of those. Um, and you guys made it happen. Um, so I think it, the, the Vectrex has got to be the one for me. It's just an amazing system. And it was the most amazing shipping job I've ever done in my yeah. life. <laughs> it's the most amazing pain in the backside. <laughs> Man, I, 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 engin- I, didn't, I didn't pack it. I engineered a packing scheme to, to put that together. Well and done. And it arrived, it arrived intact, so I, I succeeded. It, well done. It, it's there, and it has pride of place next to me. Whilst I'm working, it's there right next to me. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Uh, honorable mention I forgot to mention was my Neo Geo as well, which to me was probably um, the biggest holy kind of a holy grail kind of thing, you know, the, the one I least thought I'd ever own. Yeah. Um, but I still think those other three systems ultimately mean more to me, but do love that Neo Geo. My goodness. All right. Yes. Uh, final episode or part of the episode here. We're going to discuss our favorite Pixel Gaiden moment of all time. Although, I'm going to make a caveat here. I feel like we got to make this... We, the final Pixel Gaiden moment of all time that wasn't just overall saying, hey, when Tim was here. Oh, man. That's going to be Come on. Pick. How easy is that? Come on. And, and then... Because that also makes it... If we ever pick something besides that, we're going to feel bad that we didn't say because when Tim was here. Okay. So, it's going to, so, you know, run we'll around. Eliminate that. <laughs> Favorite Pixel Gaiden moment of all time. Uh, this time, uh, Eric, you do get to go first again, I think. I go first again? I believe so. It finished right. on Tim, which means it started with me, so now it starts with you. Okay. Obviously, Tim's visit really is the spiritual first place, but I know I can't pick it, so I'm just going to... That's first on my list here, but I'm just going to ignore that. Um, but it, it is really the winner, I think, for most of us. 
And you can either um, look at the list of what you've mentioned in the past, which I put down here, or else you can just think which pops into your head. Sure, that, sure. No, I that might it. be a but good I way think, to do I, it. I don't know. I think I think these hit the highlight here. Okay. Receiving the BBC Micro in the mail, that was a lot of fun. That was a system that um, I know because I received it from Tim. Thank you, Tim. Um, I had read a lot about. I had emulated it. Um, and to get that big beast in the mail was pretty special. I mean, that was pretty awesome. Um, opening the CD32, I mean, that was pretty amazing. Um, you know, mainly because the CD32 kind of, when I opened it, it just really kicked me right in the nuts because <laughs> I did, wasn't expecting it at all. So it wasn't like, I was like, whoa, what is this? And that was kind of your holy grail too at the time. It was my holy grail. Yep. So that was pretty amazing. Cody's big, fine computer hall. That was awesome. And kind of, we all benefited from that in one way or another. I know I got a really cool Macintosh system out of that. Um, uh, another one was when Cody gave me that SX64 uh, mm. that I quickly replaced the CRT that was dead in it. There was a completely dead CRT in it. And I replaced it with a little L- LCD uh, mini screen in there. And that was a lot of fun to even work on and kind of, I learned a lot about the SX64 because I completely took it apart to clean it up and, and replace the parts that weren't working and got it working. And it's awesome. That's from a different uh, computer hall. Yeah, that's from a different a, computer hall. A couple yep. computer halls. But I think the one that sticks out the most in my mind is, I mean, it's got to be the CD32. And I, I know that I picked that as my favorite new to me system, but opening that up and just sitting there. I remember I was at you, I was at, we were recording live at your place, Cody. And I was just like, I just couldn't wait to get that home and, and just try it out. Cause I never tried. I never, that was the first CD 32 I had ever really touched because they just weren't available here. Um, so that was pretty amazing. And a little side note, a little funny side note is that when I was taking that home, I put it in my trunk I, I packed it neat, nice and neat, and I was re- really just wanted to get it home in one piece. But I put the ice cooler next to it that we had the beer in, and it leaked all over the place. It got there was water all over the CD32 oh. when I brought it home. <laughs> That's right. And I was like, oh. I was so like when I when I you know I get home and it's like two in the morning, and I'm like I opened the trunk and there's water all. I like was freaked out. I like went in and start patting it down and drying it off, and I was like in panic mode, but. It turned out fine, but I was I was really upset. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> anyway, so that's my pick: the opening of the CD thirty two. I think if it's just water, I think you'd have been okay anyway. It's, <clears throat> yeah, it was. It's fine. Yeah, it was just water. So <laughs> luckily, it worked out. Tim, you want me to go next? You are yep. next, my friend. Um, so of course there's the obvious, the trip to California recording in person with, with you guys. Yep. Um, Eric ripping on me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's so much blown out of proportion. (laughs) No, it wasn't because it was just perfect timing. It's classic Eric. And (laughs) multiple people commented on it. So it's not just us. It's brilliant. And of course, another one which was another classic uh, from Eric, which was Stringy Laurie. Yep. <laughs> Stringy Laurie. <laughs> um, uh, Danica getting involved uh, with the show when we did uh, tea time with Tim together in lockdown. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, that was a good one. 
Um, we were actually just talking about that over the uh, the dinner table yesterday, um, <laughs> we discussing that. And uh, she was trying to remember what was the second game that she covered because she can remember the first one because it was Pokemon, uh, Let's Go Eevee, but it was actually Animal Crossing that she covered. I was going to say, I, I, I mean, I'm serious. I was just going to say it was Animal Crossing. I remember listening to it. Yep. 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 Um, and uh, joining the show, that's a big moment for me as a That's fr- true. As a- that's true. Full-time, <laughs> part-time presenter. <laughs> um, half a job, Harry, as usual. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I think the kind of like the genesis of moments for me, um, and it kind of like holds a lot of memories for me, was the first uh, unboxing that you guys did on the show. Oh, yeah. Um when you called me Jim or something like that, I can't, you couldn't remember my name. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> was that classic Cody or classic Eric? Jim or Tom or something like that, something random. Um, and then you open the box and then you saw the letter and it's like, ah, oh, it's Tim. Yeah. <laughs> I like how we left that in there and I didn't edit it out. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so that was kind of like the moment uh, that was obviously. The, f- the first box, what was that? That was beer and some candy, I think, or something like that, wasn't it? And then I think so. the Spectrum came after that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The Spectrum came after that. So I think that blew me away. Over the first box and then kind of like getting involved with the show in that way. Um, and then that's just really kind of like set the ball rolling for everything, I think, didn't it? Tim like um, bought his way on the show. That's cool. <laughs> 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 Well, I, I was patron number one as well. <laughs> That's true. That, that is true. You, and you were patron for a, quite a while longer, actually. Yeah. yeah. Even while you were on the show, you were still paying in. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's that's got to be my my kind of like uh, favorite moments is opening those those two boxes, you guys, when obviously the first one I sent through and then getting that ZX spectrum for Cody and getting that shipped over and all that sort of stuff. That was, so, yeah. I mean, all uh, the systems you've helped us out with. And super of course cool. the CD32, the surprise for Eric and all the trials and tribulations that went with that as well. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That, that first, uh, spectrum that was sent over, I mean, it was so I hate to use the word foreign, but like it was, you know, like, what is this thing? Like, am I the only person in America that owns this? Like, this is crazy, right? It was like a whole new world. And yeah, that was super cool. It's hard to think of another machine that kind of like works the other way around. Yeah. Um, So unique. So, you know, not British as such, but I suppose, yes, but it's just such a weird little system isn't it if you've yeah. never seen it or grew up with it and you hold one in your hands for the first time that strange weird keyboard the small shape um and the the beeps and the boops that it makes and all that sort of thing i guess maybe something like the ti ti 99 yeah has a, has a bit of parallel in that respect because it's quite quirky in the design and all the other bits and pieces that you can get onto it yep um, but um yeah. Or, the, or the MSX, which is dual cartridges and all the kanji on each of the keys, but not as much as the, the Spectrum. No. no. Yep. Uh, so I, I got the last one here. Um, so just burning through them pretty quick. A lot of these were already said. 
uh, last year I picked the top 50 arcade game segment we did. I just love doing that. And guess what? I wedged it into the next show. So episode 100B will be talking about top 50 16-bit games of all times. There's a caveat there. You'll have to hang out until next show to find out. Uh, I also wrote down all of Eric's comments. He has one a year that makes us drop to the floor laughing. Obviously, we mentioned what he said about uh, Tim this year. Last year, he threw down Stringy Lori. And Eric, if you remember, in 2022, you said garbage in a half shell when I told you about <laughs> yeah, I <do> remember that. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game that wasn't very good. Yep. <laughs> garbage in a half shell, turtle power. <laughs> I do remember that. Um, love sending Tim his TI-99 for the same reasons that I love receiving my Spectrum. Uh, so foreign and different. It was cool to see him just kind of go, what is this thing? Uh, and same thing, giving Erica the SX-64, which was not necessarily a holy grail for you, but I guess as close as you can get to without actually being a holy grail. But um, yep. but it kind of worked out because it dawned on me that, wait, I've got this thing sitting here. It really doesn't mean much to me. Eric would love this thing. Tim would love this thing. Just flipping heavy. Um, and so it made sense. Uh, to, oh, man, to, to trying to ship that on, thing with so. a CRT in there would have been a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, I also had in 2020 receiving the, the Amstrad CPC, uh, my 3DO. Uh, a really cool one was the Brewing Academy visit, going out and, and going through you know a, a, a current... A company that's producing things with multiple employees and, and selling them out and it just happened to be right here in California right down the street in Woodland and having uh, Marlon take us around the, the well, taking me around and Eric I think you went around separately later I did um, yeah, but I- seeing all his collection and everything that was super cool <clears throat> the introduction of the game show which to this day continues the game show is a staple of Pixel Guide in yeah um Joining the Amigos Network, becoming friends with them some more. We don't have that much interaction anymore as we did right when we started, but we probably need to rectify that. Um, And then doing the Craptastic Special, which I really want to do another one of those where we we you join one of the current you know game competitions, game creation competitions by becoming our own judges and playing all the games and talking about them on a special episode of Pixel Guy Dan. Um. I, I don't know how to pick my favorite one out of all of these. Um, so I, I, I guess ultimately, for me, it comes down to doing things that I never thought I could do without being part of this show. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to pick one. So I'm going to say the Brewing Academy visit. Just it was so cool to kind of be welcomed with open arms and walked around and shown things and gave us a, gave me a couple special things that uh, I don't know. I just kind of felt like you know part of the community at that point not just a guy talking into a microphone so i'm gonna go with that one outside of tim's visit yeah and the side thing about the brewing academy that's where we got the vectrex so this is true came full circuit we've all been touched by marlin <laughs> in one yeah, way whoa. or another <laughs> take it easy there all right gentlemen we are halfway <laughs> through episode 100 but for for tonight we need to uh shut her down and we'll pick up on the 30th, February 30th. So everyone come on back. Remember, we're going to go ahead and discuss all kinds of exciting things. We're going to catch up like we always do. Uh, please make sure you send us your listener letters. We want to go ahead and read them on the air. If you have any more questions, quick or not so quick, please send those over to us. You can send any of these things to podcast at pixelguiden.com. Uh, Tim has prepared a mega game show tim we're still not sure what that means we can only make assumptions on what makes it mega 
Um, my guess was that, or is it Genesis? <laughs> or Mega? Um, yeah, <laughs> Mega Drive. Uh, my guess was that we were going to have a bunch of um, uh, celebrities from the '80s ask us the questions over audio. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, is it uh, Kirk? Absolutely. Yeah. Are we going to get like? Kirk Cameron is going to ask me a question. Oh, video game related. Yeah. Madonna. Michael Jackson. No, no, she, she wouldn't return my calls. Oh, okay. Okay. She doesn't like the way you treated her last time you guys were hanging out. Doesn't like the cut of my jib. <laughs> That's all the cut man. of my jib. Oh, oh I don't have man. that on my keyboard right now. Uh, and then we, are, of course, are going to do what I just said, which is top 50 16-bit games of all time. There's a big caveat there. And you will learn about it next episode. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for 100 episodes. I'm getting ready for 100 and a half episodes. I'm not sure about the rest of you guys. I'm ready. I'm ready. So for the next 15 days, please remember, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D-U-H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball49. That's O-D-D-B-A-1-1-4-9. You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. 